Hi, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and my returning guest co-host today is... Hi, it's me, Nathan again. Yay! How are you this week, Nathan? I'm not too bad myself. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I am super excited to do part two. So guys, if you are listening and wondering why there's an extra episode, why there's a bonus episode this week... It's because we have been talking about season one of Mr. Robot. If you have seen Mr. Robot, you know that there are so many Easter eggs, so much to talk about. So even though it only has 10 episodes, we had to split the podcast up into two episodes to actually talk about it. Otherwise, we would have been there for hours and hours and hours. So we talked about episodes one to five last week. And this week we'll be doing 6 to 10. Now, episode 6 was my personal favourite. I thought it was better than all of them, even 10. What about you, Nathan? Do you have a favourite? What did you think about this one? It's a tough one because I'm I'm quite fond of... I can't remember exactly what episode it is, but it's where like the reveals kind of happen. I think it's episode 8. I'm very fond of that one. But this one is like very, very close. It's just, it's intense the entire way round, right up until the very end. It just never lets up. It's a great episode. Yeah, so, so much happens. So let's just get into it. Let's just talk about it. And we will see how, uh, how we feel at the end once we've summarised everything. Mm. So... I feel the sensation. Fight or flight, it's constant. I should just pick one. I, Elliot Alderson, am flight. I am fear. I am anxiety, terror, panic. The intro to episode six, Elliot is really breaking down. So he's talking about fight and flight responses and he's very much making it clear that he is flight. He is fear he is anxiety he is terror he is panic he covers all of this in kind of the introduction to episode six and uh, in a really powerful way as he's known to do with his speeches and it cuts to Elliot and Shayla sitting in a cafe now if you remember at the end of episode six uh, sorry at the end of episode five we had Elliot coming into his house, coming into his apartment, finding a phone on the ground, and Fernando was on the other end of the phone from prison. Yeah. So now, hang on. I feel like I've missed something. No, that's basically right, it. Right? Yeah. yeah okay. It's a call from, uh, from Vera in prison. Yeah, that's how it ends, and the universe yeah. aligns perfectly. Yeah, okay. No, I confused myself for a second because... I think it's supposed to make you feel a little bit confused at the start. Yeah, it is, because obviously, like, you've had that scene at the end of now, these two are suddenly meeting. So I think you're kind of meant to think it's not quite set at the time it's set. Yeah, so basically, the writers have screwed with my brain again, even though I just watched this damn show. Okay, so, so Elliot and Shayla are sitting in a cafe and talking about that it doesn't feel real Elliot's going to get her out of this. We then see Fernando's brother, if you remember. We were briefly introduced to him. His name is Isaac. We see him grab Shayla and take her away and out of the cafe and into a car. So another man who was with Isaac takes Elliot to a room with a phone where Fernando starts talking in riddles while Elliot tries to find out where Shayla is. 
Fernando likes his power, wants his power. He even says it makes his dick hard, which I did giggle at a little bit. And wants him to somehow hack him out of prison and it has to be tonight. He tells him that Shayla will be there tonight and then says that he loves him and hangs up, which again, laughed. Fernando is a terrible person. Like as a character, I understand he does terrible things. He's a terrible person. But he gave me a lot of laughs in this season. Mm. He's very much, he's like a strangely comedic character where like it's just because of how, it's how he juxtaposes with everyone else. Everyone's quite like put together and straight laced and he's just kind of saying whatever he feels like. It might be that I admire that freeness of just mm. saying whatever I... F- I mean, I kind of do that anyway, so I don't know what, what that is. But he is extraordinarily free. He just says literally whatever he wants. Mm. And there's like he, it's like he just knows there'll be no consequences. So it is what it is. So the men take Elliot back to his place. Still won't tell him where Shayla is. At this point, Isaac is back with the guy that took Elliot in the first place, but Shayla's not with, with him anymore. So Isaac is is on his own when he comes back and Elliot's trying to find out where Shayla is. They're just like, nope. Elliot says that it is actually possible to hack into the prison complex system in his uh, in a monologue to us with research. So Fernando's brother, Isaac, threatens Shayla's life if he doesn't do everything that they say. So now we go back to the All Safe office. Angela is doing some research on Colby, the CTO or the former CTO that's now disgraced, and the Washington Township scandal. She goes in to see one of the lawyers that had represented the families back when, you know, when the scandal was really at its height to present some more evidence from the Evil Corp data dump that, if you remember, F Society did this huge data dump Angela now has some more information, so she goes to one of the lawyers to say, look, can we do something about this now? The clearly very defeated lawyer with a slight drinking problem, I think, says that she has no chance of beating Evil Cop. Angela reminds her that she actually called her back. So Angela does like a bunch of calls trying to get in touch with any of the lawyers that were were involved at the time, but only this particular lawyer actually contacted her back. So... She's trying to point out there's a reason that you came back to me. We go back to Elliot and Elliot has uh, used the excuse that he needs to take Flipper, the dog, out for a walk to sneak in a little meeting with Darlene. She somehow uh, sabotaged the malware that Elliot was using when he was back at the flat. And one of the bad guys actually ends up finding them, takes them both back to Elliot's apartment. We cut back to the lawyer's office. The lawyer lets Angela know that they'd need a whistleblower if they were to have any chance in federal court against Evil Corp. Angela tells the lawyer that her dad is drowning in debt, which is what we mentioned on the last one with the uh, Evil Corp insurance because of the, the medical bills, which you told me about because honestly I didn't even click that it were her mum's medical bills. I had no no concept of that. I can't remember if they explicitly state that or not, but like for some reason I remember it being that, but I can't remember when it's kind of, when it's stated exactly. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched again, so I don't know if they did mention it, but I certainly wasn't aware of it until you told me when we last recorded, so. So, now we are going to Tyrell Wellick. 
and Scott Knowles, the guy that he had dinner with, remember, who's the mm. candidate for CTO. So, Wellick tells Knowles to say hello to his wife, Sharon. Knowles asks if he enjoyed the view and whether he wants to watch him piss too. So if you remember, that's a callback to when Tyrell Wellick followed his wife into the toilets or the toilet at her place and she's using the loo. She spreads her legs and then he leaves. So clearly Sharon told told her husband what happened and let him know what was going on. But in this moment, when he brings it up, because they're having this little power play with each other, Wilek, uh, Wilek, Wellick acts like Sharon made it all up and Knowles lets him know that he will never be CTO. Even tries to give him his Patek Philippe watch. But it's, yeah, he was really trying to ruffle his feathers and he did end up getting that reaction that he wanted at the end. I think that's the first time we see Tyrell lose his core, apart from the time he beats up the homeless man. There's, I think it's always kind of like in a private moment. So it's like that and when he's rehearsing that speech in front of his mirror. Yes. Every time he gets it wrong, he slaps himself. Yeah, that's right. It's always <clears> in a private, <throat> it's never in the moment. It's never when he's being faced with a challenge. It's He mm. never lets his guard down. But in this moment, definitely ruffled his feathers. That's the thing he knows about being like in the position he's in where he knows you've got to have like your public face and your private face. Mm-hmm. Like he's always very, he's very masking of like that side of himself yeah absolutely so we cut away now from the evil corp offices and we go back to elliot's apartment angela shows up and isaac is basically just telling him to get rid of her because she's at the door or she's not at the door i think she's outside at the main door and she's trying to get him to answer the door and of course he can't because him and darlene are currently being held captive in there until he hacks fernando out of prison so we then cut away from that to the Wellick residence and Tyrell is absolutely losing it while his wife is calmly eating like a total psychopath. She makes him realise that by telling her husband, Sarah Knowles has revealed what she truly wants, which is to be wanted. Outside of Elliot's apartment again, Angela reveals that, so Elliot was actually able to go downstairs, and Angela reveals that the data dump was a reminder of how angry she is about what Evil Corp did. She says that she has an idea that will change the world but can't tell him what it is. Elliot tells her to trust herself and that she'll do what's right and hugs her, which was very, very cute. As he heads back inside, Mr. Robot is sitting on the steps and tries to get Elliot to abandon the plan, call the police, since Fernando's going to kill them all anyway, even if he manages to pull it off. He basically wants him to sacrifice Shayla. And Elliot reminds us in his little inner monologue, his conversation to us as the observer, he reminds us about fight or flight. So inside the apartment... Elliot gets an idea and says that they have to go to the jail. So they go to the jail and he meets with Fernando in the visiting room. I just want to stop here for a second because I'm very much with the writers the whole way, especially for this episode. Love this episode. But this bit did irk me a little. Mm. It's really not realistic that you can just show up and get visitation that same day. Yeah, like you'd... I mean, it'd be like certain visiting hours anyway, and then you'd have to be like, I guess, vetted before you'd be able to go in. And then it just kind of strolls straight on in. I managed to mute myself. Sorry, I muted myself. (laughs) (laughs) I muted myself on my mic and I was just like, I'm talking, but it's still flashing. Oh God, sorry. So no, what I was saying was when I was completely muted is that 
it's it's really un- unrealistic. Like you say, they do have to actually be vetted beforehand. I've never mm. visited anyone in a prison, but I've watched a lot of dramas <laughs> and a lot of movies and a couple of documentaries about the prison system and how it pretty much works in the States. And you do need to have been at least put on a list for some period of time before you can actually go and get visitation. Now, how long that is and how much vetting happens beforehand depends on the prison itself and whether it's like a county jail or something, which is a bit more lax. Mm. But if you were arrested and charged with something like drug trafficking, you're not going to be put in a place that's like super easy to just walk in and get visitation that same day when you feel like it. He's not charged at the moment, isn't he? Because isn't it like you go to like a jail first and as you're awaiting trial and charge, you're there. Well, you, they can't put you in jail until you've been charged. So they have the little yeah. cells in police station, which is where they can keep you. But I think that's only up to 48 hours and then they have to charge you mm. or release you. So if he's in like full on prison clothes and everything, even if he's mm. in a county jail, he's at least been charged. <clears throat> he's not been convicted. There's not been a trial, but he's at least yeah. been charged. Now, depending on the type of charge you get, you could still be put in a facility that's a bit more... I don't want to say maximum security or anything like that, but there are different levels that you would go in depending on the type Mm. of offence that you've been charged with. To me, it just doesn't seem realistic that somebody who's been charged with something like drug trafficking or supply is going to be in a place that is so easy to get into in terms of the facility to visit someone. Yeah, That's the only bit that bugs me. I've got a similar problem with the very end of the episode without spoiling it, like... There's no way that situation at the very end of the episode is going to work about them being caught. Oh, I understand. Yeah, shall yeah. we shall we cover that when we get there? Yeah. I think I know yeah. what you mean, but I don't want to yeah. get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, okay, I think I know what you mean, though. Right. So, anyway, let's put all of that aside and pretend that it is just easy to go in and get visitation. Elliot is sitting with Fernando. And so when they're in this visiting room, he says that he needs more time. Fernando says no tonight. And Elliot says, more time now. Keep talking. He's talking about right now. Like, just keep going. He's working on the project right now. He reveals that he's going to open every cell so that it can't be traced back to either of them. Elliot also reveals that he's hacked Isaac's phone, his brother, and now owns his whole operation. He has set the leak to go out. Um, It's on autosend every 24 hours unless he manually stops it, which guarantees his and Shayla's safety. So, Angela, we go to um, Colby's house now, which I don't think we've been to his yet. So, Angela goes to the former CTO Colby's house and freezes up when he actually comes to the door. She does notice, though, that he's wearing an ankle monitor. We go back to the prison and outside, Isaac is telling Elliot to get in the car alone and drives them to some unknown location. So they've left Darlene and the other guy at the prison. Darlene was with them, wasn't she? I'm not making that up. Yeah, Dar- like Darlene's now kind of being held captive with them. With but him, yeah. I think we're, we're on the bit just after they get out of the prison, aren't we? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, I know that he goes, he takes Elliot around the block, doesn't he? Yeah, they kind of drive off, like, down the road. Even the other guy's like, what, what's going on? Where are you going? Like, why are you separating kind of thing? And Isaac just says, no, I need a minute or something. And then he drives them to somewhere around the corner. No, it's not around the corner. It's a little bit away, but some unknown location. Yeah, I think I think possibly when he gets back, there might be, like, a scene that we don't see where he just says to him, like, yeah, just drop her off. 
because mm. they don't they don't really need her for like the final part of it no they don't they don't so when they get to this uh, location isaac says that it's not his day and puts a gun to elliot's head Elliot realises that Isaac never really wanted Fernando released and planned on getting him killed inside the prison. Isaac is the reason that Fernando's in jail, so Fernando was going to kill him. Elliot then makes a deal with Isaac, realising all of this, to free his brother anyway so that Isaac can be the one to kill him, rather than getting someone on the inside to do it, since Fernando is so protected. Now we're back outside the prison. The plan is going underway. So it's now night time. The cells are about to open and Isaac gets out his gun. Now the other bad guy, I think this is the moment we find out that his name's DJ. At least this is the only time I wrote it in my notes. They mention it earlier briefly. Okay. It's about DJ, let's get moving. So for some reason that line stuck in my head. Okay, fair. So we, we knew DJ. I just was lazy in my note taking. DJ asks him why and Isaac says that it's all because of the cells opening and you know the other cellmates might try something. Fernando comes out and after a very tense moment says DJ shoot the cocksucker. So I'm I watch a lot of thrillers and and stuff with twists in so I 100% knew what was going on but it was framed in a way to make it seem like Fernando was telling DJ to shoot Mm. Elliot. So they frame it in a way that it looks like he's going to shoot Elliot, but ta-da, he actually shoots Fernando's brother, Isaac. Fernando praises him, uh, Elliot, for his bravery and that Isaac's death means that it doesn't matter if Elliot blows up his whole operation, as he threatened to earlier. Fernando reveals that Elliot didn't realise that Shayla was with him the whole time and throws the car keys at him before leaving with DJ. Elliot opens the trunk and Shayla's body is inside. She is very dead. And that is how episode six ends. Mm. So I will turn it over to you, Nathan. What was your issue with how that ended? So obviously, like like you were saying earlier about how he couldn't just go into a prison. Like he couldn't just go into the prison and just like go and see him straight away. My issue is that they are literally about to do the hack to let everyone out of the prison. And they've just stood there where all of the criminals are coming out, waiting to pick someone up. And they've got a dead body in the car as well. And like that no no one gets caught from that. Like you think like they've all stayed in the scene of the crime for like a prolonged period of time. They were there before the security was taken out. So there'll be some CCTV of them arriving shortly. But none of those people get caught. Yeah. My issue is in the same vein as that. It goes a little bit further, though. So Hmm. my issue is that, yes, they're standing right outside the gates where everyone's about to be let out. Now, in a prison, you have the guards and stuff inside, but you also have guards outside, and there's usually some kind of height in case Hmm. anybody tries to escape. So there's usually outside prison guards with weapons to stop any potential escape. Where were they? That was my first issue. My second issue was that they stood, like you said, for a prolonged amount of time, even after Fernando has actually come out, because they're basically having a natter outside. But they do also shoot a person without a silencer, which means the shot was heard. So they've shot and killed someone right outside where prisoners are escaping. Not only are there no prison guards to stop the escapees, 
literally nobody heard the shot nobody saw the body drop nobody's aware of what's happening and they can just drive off into the sunset mm, that's that's the other thing as well because obviously like the next episode deals with it a little bit but like that he hasn't just hidden shayla's body like people know that shayla has passed away after this so where did shayla's like did he just report her as being killed in this car like where did this who got rid of the other body of like isaac's body like did Elliot drive the car away and then be like, "Oh, I found her here." Like, what's like that? Like, cause I think there's like a like a month gap between this episode and the next one, if I remember correctly. So I think there's there's a lot of stuff in between that we've kind of not quite. They leave out because I guess it's unne- unnecessary stuff that would like mess up the narrative a bit. And I think, yeah, it does help us remember, though, when you think about it that way, that we are seeing it from Elliot's perspective. So if Mm. it was an important detail to Elliot, we're not going to know about it. Mm. Because he's the only one talking to us. Nobody else is. And and we've established he's like like a perfect, unreliable narrator. We're just seeing it as he wants us to see it, not as it truly is. Exactly. So episode seven, the opening scene has uh, it shows us Elliot is walking into his apartment and it like he can hear banging coming from Shayla's place and a woman a woman is like yelling shit. He goes inside to his place and starts grinding up some pills. The uh, the woman that was yelling bangs on the door and asks him to open up and we then realise that it's Shayla. So the next sequences are basically about how they met, how she moved into the place, how he says, you know, how he kind of gets into that issue where he starts buying morphine from her. Mm. And, you know, he even says to her that as long as as long as she can provide the suboxone along with the morphine, they talk about how they wish they already knew each other to make them less awkward. Very, very wholesome few sequences. And she says that... She knows of somebody who does supply Suboxone. He's supposed to be a psychopath, but Elliot could be worth it, which made me sad, which is why I'm sure why they put it in there. But, you know. Yeah, because obviously, like, it kind of sets up that she would still be around if she'd literally never spoken to Elliot. Had she never. Like, had she never. Because the Suboxone supplier is obviously Vera. Yes. So, like, it's. So if, if like, Elliot, if that encounter never happened, Shayla would still be alive. Absolutely. And again, because we see things from Elliot's perspective, we know that he shames himself a lot, he guilt trips himself a lot, and this is an example of that. This is why we're, sh- we're being shown that in particular as well. So back to present time, Elliot tells us that it's been a month since he spoke to us. He blames himself for Shayla's death, and his therapist, Krista, asks him to sign something that will show the court that he's completed his mandated sessions. Remember when he was pushed off the boardwalk by Mr. Robot? He had to, he woke up in hospital, he had to go through a whole bunch of mandated sessions. Krista still wants him to continue, even though it's no longer mandated. Elliot tells her to clean her electrical sockets and then leaves. So, yeah, you know the response you expect to get it, it made sense but yeah i mean from elliot yeah i mean that that's like the nearest you can get to a friendly greeting from him yeah i think that's his hi yeah you're right like i really think that's just the way he, like he, it's just how he is so 
We now go back to Angela and the lawyer that we were introduced to last episode. So Angela and now her lawyer are sitting with a bunch of lawyers and Angela's lawyer says that Angela has information that could help Colby. That's how we realise that the other people in the suits are Colby's lawyers. She says that Angela has this information that could help him but that she wants to sit down off the record. They decline and then leave. We now go back to the all-safe office and Gideon offers Elliot time off to deal with Shayla's death, which Elliot declines. Gideon says that he needs to find someone that he can be his honest self with. Elliot drifts off into some kind of memory of how he got into web design and he basically tells us that it was by ripping off sites that he liked. So he would view the source code on the browser and then just copy and paste the code and then work from there. So we'd use that as a bit of a template. So he wonders what if we had view source for people and starts like imagining like for real life people and starts imagining what people would be walking around with. So like people start walking around with a bunch of signs on them saying things like I'm empty inside, which I thought was very cool. And I was very proud of myself because I knew exactly what he was talking about when he was talking about the view source. It's the first time he's talked about hacking stuff that I was like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. Mm. So I was very proud of myself. Because mm, I remember like kids in high school doing that. It just changed Google to have like your name on it, basically. Yeah. So now we are at a bar with Mr. Robot and Darlene. Mr. Robot says that they need to get the Dark Army back. So remember the Dark Army? They pulled out. They were going to pull out anyway. We don't know why yet. So Darlene can't get a meeting through Cisco. And Mr. Robot says that they need to meet with White Rose directly. This is the first mention of White Rose, if I'm not mistaken. No, actually, Darlene does yell White Rose in the library. And Cisco freaks out that this person's name has just been yelled out. So White Rose, we're led to believe, is basically in charge of the Dark Army. I'm a fan of this character, by the way. But more on that later. Darlene makes it clear that that is just not possible. It's not possible to get a meeting with White Rose and Mr. Robot says that he has a plan. We go to Elliot's apartment and Elliot is just depressed. He's at home depressed, making and labelling CDs with Shayla's favourite music, wiping hard drives, just doing a whole bunch of stuff and just generally looking very miserable. We go back to the Evil Corp offices and Tyrell Wellick has, is, is at this point, He's losing it. He's like firing members of his team. Oh, actually, he fired the whole team, not even members mm. of his team, for absolutely no reason, just because they were talking. <laughs> I mean, they, they were being dicks anyway, to be honest. I mean, I was, they were like, dicks. I feel like they were dicks, but they, they're the type of dicks that you know they're dicks when you hire them. Mm. So it's not like they did something new for him to then fire them. Do you know what I mean? It was clearly just him losing it. But, you know, it was funny. And now we cut back to Angela's lawyer's office. So Angela is now there again and she tells, no, the lawyer actually tells Angela, sorry, that Colby's lawyers have actually changed their minds and they have agreed to the off the record meeting between Angela and Colby at Colby's home. If Angela's lawyer could secure immunity for Colby with the state's attorney, which she actually did. She seemed very proud of herself saying that. Then we cut back to Mr. Robot trying to put F Society back together. He basically threatens Romero, which is one of the guys, into coming Mm. back. Mr. Robot is clearly crazy. He goes to his house and he's like growing, I think he's growing weed, but he's like doing something special with it. He did explain, but I didn't make a note, so I forgot. 
it was THC things. I think it like helped with the um I think he's like making THC products. And right. he found a way to like help the like the plants grow quicker as well to help himself out. And he had um he had like C B D lotion. Essentially, like he was kind of getting on that that market. Yeah. Cause I think that was I think twenty fifteen was around the time that's all started to kind of become more commonplace. Yes, I think 2015 was really the the boom of because people had medical medical marijuana was mm. more was legal in more states and it was just more of a big thing. I remember even on YouTube, like literally, it seemed like every YouTuber turned into a weed tuber in 20 around 2015 time. There was so much of that content at that point. I think it was just like everyone was looking at every single way that they could make any kind of money off off weed in the most legal way possible so yeah sounds about right very on brand at the time now we cut away to colby's house and angela asks if he was actually in the room when they found out that the toxic waste was being or that the waste that was being dumped was toxic i phrase that really weird but you know what i mean so if he testifies against the executives that actually covered it up, she will then testify that she broke chain of custody with a DAT file that's central to the case against him. So remember, their frame, F Society framing Colby is only possible because of that DAT file. So that DAT file is really the key to everything. If Angela testifies and says that she broke the chain of custody, which means it could have been manipulated in some way, then the FBI really has no case against Colby. So this is what she's trying to entice him with, but only if he basically tells the truth and talks about the executives covering up the stuff that made her mum and Elliot's dad ill and eventually die. He says that he'll answer her question if she sucks his dick in the most horrific detail. So she was being very like, oh, that bit really just irritated the shit out of me, if I'm honest. Like, it's not like I was a fan of Colby or anything before, but that bit really, really just, he was talking about suck his balls as well and that one hangs lower than the other or some detail that I just didn't need any of. And it was in a very dismissive, horrific, old man way. Mm. It, it was like it was kind of i guess the same was wrong to say it, but like more of like a power like so, similar to um tyrell where like it's kind of like a power move kind of thing in a way i think that's i don't know if that's the right way of saying it it absolutely was a power move and i don't like i don't like to see power moves anyway because i just think no no but when it's two guys that are effectively equally yoked it doesn't bother me as much as when it's an older white man, which mm. he is, with a young woman. It's usually that way. And seeing it just makes instantly, I just get my back up. Like, I'm just like, ugh. Especially as she's talking about something so serious. This is something that caused cancers and caused deaths. And she's giving him a way out of the very, very serious charges that he's facing. And yet, that is how he responds and i was just like all right you're a piece of shit and i hope you go to jail she then says that if he doesn't take the deal he'll lose everyone's respect uh even if he does actually get away with it in court and she leaves she does think that all is lost until her lawyer calls her and says actually turn around go back to colby's we then cut to darlene and cisco darlene has met cisco and had actually, well, here's the thing. Cisco is basically trying to give her a telling off. B, 
because Darlene had joined the Dark Army's channel with Cisco's handle to try to get this meeting with White Rose. I'm guessing this is what Mr. Robot's plan was. Cisco confirms that they did accept the invitation to meet, so she will be meeting White Rose. He's obviously not happy about it, though. He's like, you made me look like a dick and all sorts, which, you know, fair. Then we go back to Colby's house. Colby asks what's in it for Angela to let him off scot-free, and Angela presses him for just more details of the meet again. She's just kind of getting right past that. Colby breaks down the details of everything surrounding the January 1993 meeting. So, you were drunk, eating shrimp cocktail, and it was raining when you decided my mother would die? That's why. So people like you won't keep sitting in rooms together. Did any of it ever give you or anyone pause when you made those decisions? Yeah. And Angela says that she's doing this to stop people like him getting together and making decisions like that, which I just love. I love that answer and it was perfect because not to get too like lefty and whatever else but mm. it's that's exactly what just needs to happen everywhere that's what all of this is about like all of these movements that people talk shit about in the end you know they kind of talk about me too and all that kind of stuff that's what all of that was about is to stop those types of people making decisions that affect people having the type of power that they have and then getting away with the shit that they get away with so that was perfect and it was right in line with the theme of this show from Elliot to to Angela to all these people, it's right in line with that theme there. Uh, definitely, 100% agree. So we're back to Evil Corp, speaking of dickheads, and Scott Knowles, <laughs> is, <laughs> Scott Knowles is formally announced as the new CTO. Wellick walks up to Sarah Knowles, uh, his wife, and says he's disappointed that she shared their moment with her husband. She says... She's disappointed that he gave up with one tiny curveball. Wellick tells her to go to the roof to meet him, using the back stairs as there are no cameras. She kind of looks at him like, eh, but we know she's going up there. We know she's going to go meet him. We cut away to Angela, and Angela breaks it to Gideon that she has testified in favour of Colby. So that's how we find out that Colby has agreed to her terms. Gideon is furious because he knows that she didn't break chain of custody and that she's just jeopardised the whole company, which, I mean, if you're doing the security for everything and your employee says that, yeah, I'd be I'd be mad too. So we cut back to the party and on the roof, Sarah Knowles, as we guessed, does in fact meet Tyrell Wellick. She tells him that Scott plans on firing him and they just start making out. They start kissing and the kissing and it's, it's looking very passionate and weird and then you start to get a, a bit worried because he's getting a bit too into it and he strangles her to death you know these things happen i guess just apparently <laughs> to the likes of tyrell wellick yeah his life is just like a bit of a sitcom sometimes you know just a bit a creepy swedish sitcom very creepy 
very creepy and to add to that creepiness he kind of does a little cry as he wipes mm. her mouth i'm guessing he's trying to wipe off his dna but if you like if you were if you use tongues and all that like that's not i mean i don't i'm not a scientist i feel like just doing a little bit of a wipe of the mouth isn't going you, you know yeah i think it's going to be a situation where like it's going to be very obvious to anyone kind of what happened up there like a crime of passion kind of thing yeah very obvious very very obvious but then i do watch a lot of like csi and law and ordery type shows so mm. maybe maybe we're just what's the word is it biased no jaded maybe i think jaded let's go with jaded yeah so yeah so he cries wipes her mouth runs off so that's the end of that. He has killed Sarah Knowles. Great. So Darlene reaches out to Trenton in the next scene to try and get her back to F Society. So if you remember, Mr. Robot's really trying to get the band back together in his own way. And Darlene is doing it in a more approachable way. We then cut away to Cisco, who confronts Ollie outside the gym. Remember, Ollie is Angela's ex. So Ollie sells out Angela like super fast. Like record fast it's insane he's such a wimp he is such a wimp it is infuriating <laughs> and cisco just isn't even interested in all of that uh, doesn't actually care whose fault it is or whatever he's trying to tell him about angela we cut away to krista so elliot is at his therapist krista for a non-mandated appointment so he did in fact continue going which is great Krista asks whether, um, no, I'm sorry. Elliot asks Krista whether everything that he says to her will be kept confidential. Krista does agree and he confesses that he doesn't take his pills, but neither does she. He starts talking about her spending habits. Remember, he's hacked her, so he knows everything. He talks about her spending habits, tells her that she likes porn and exactly what type says that he watches her on her webcam tells you know tells her that she she cries just like him because she's lonely he doesn't just hack her he hacks everyone and he wants a way out of loneliness just like her and that is how we end episode seven so that that end scene kind of goes with what i was saying earlier about elliot where the hacking is kind of his way of getting to know someone like it fully, it fully lines up with that he he doesn't he doesn't hack for like a sport or like his own gratification. It's because he wants to get to know someone without having to sit down with them for the conversation. Definitely, and I think that um, oh, when you said that, that made me think of something. Yeah, so just as just as his version of hi, how are you doing is oh look, your electrical sockets need cleaning. Hmm. His way of getting to actually know you in the same way that we would maybe meet somewhere and have a chat and like get to know each other and ask each other questions about each other's lives, hmm. he will just hack you to find out that information. And you're right, he doesn't really do it for sport. He just happens to be exceptionally good at it. So I think it also ties back to that moment that he had in the flashback with Shayla, if you remember, where they say that they wish that they'd actually known each other all along so that he didn't have to be awkward and he it's very much him he doesn't want to he's he feels awkward he doesn't mind feeling awkward but he doesn't know how to change that 
without knowing stuff about you like but he doesn't know how to ask you those questions so he just has to hack you yeah a lot going on a lot going on and imagine though if you were the therapist and your patient just said that to you literally told you what porn you watch that they watch you on your webcam see you cry yeah like what would you even do i mean I know with like therapists, there's like a line. It's it's similar to I think like confession booths. I think like depending on the severity of the crime, you're not allowed to report it or something, or you're duty bound. I can't remember exactly, but like it's like it's surely she she's gonna say something about this, like because this is a very serious thing. But it's also the most he's opened up to her. That's it. You've got to be in two minds about it. Like, having seen somebody for however long they've been, we're led to believe it's been a while. Mm. And having them open up to you like that is a breakthrough. But at the same time, how violating is that? And there is that kind of duty to, like, the duty of confidentiality, basically, with your sessions with your with your patients as a therapist. Mm. But if you, if they confess to you a crime, which in this case it is, or they confess to you that they are thinking or seriously thinking and planning on doing a crime and harming somebody, then you are duty bound to also report that and you can break confidentiality in in that case with the police. But it is a case of, do you go to the police and say, oh my God, and then you now make him shut right back down again? Or do you celebrate that you've had a breakthrough and just kind of deal with the fact that he knows so much about you and you've been violated like that? I think as well, a thing with Elliot is, and it becomes a well, it, it becomes quite apparent with like Vera, um, but like in like next season as well, it becomes a little bit more to the forefront. Is he's got this kind of strange thing about himself where people gravitate a bit towards him because they find him interesting. Like Vera found him to be an exceptionally interesting person where he barely said anything. Yeah. It's like his kind of, I guess his mantra is what his way of life is something that people find interesting. Like they want to, like they they get gravitated towards that a little bit. Like Vera especially did. And I don't know if because I I can't quite remember when Krista shows up next again. To be honest, um, I don't I like, can't either. I actually, um, I actually be, don't know if she does. I think she does, but it'd be in, I think it's in a later episode. But um, she like I think. I don't know exactly if she would go to the police for this kind of thing, but I think because she herself has seen some weird sides of Elliot mm. that she's kind of very that gravitated as well. I mean, as a like with a therapist, I don't know if that kind of thing can happen. You hear about every now and then those like pulpy stories about like the therapists falling in love with a patient or whatever, or like someone getting obsessed with something. But like you you learn that much about someone. Like you, you can have the danger of becoming friendlier with them, as like as a therapist, I would suppose. What and like kind of crossing that boundary, you mean? Yeah, so I, I don't I don't think she would cross the boundary in like an extremely unethical way, but more in a way that she would be willing to overlook this because she knows how. Like she kind of, she knows how big of a breakthrough it is for him. Yeah, so it will look like it would be a break in the boundary in the sense of like she will give him special treatment. Like she wouldn't put up with that from maybe any of her other patients, but with Elliot, it's such a big deal that he's even opened up that yeah, I see what you're saying. I agree with you there actually. Yeah. I don't know if we see Krista again this season, but 
we are getting started on episode eight, so I guess we'll find out mm. as we go through these notes. So, episode eight begins with Darlene. She is at some rich guy's place, or I think it's actually a hotel. I think it's a hotel room on, like... Yeah, I, I think it's a thing with rich executives. It's You, you go to the hotel, you don't... You, you keep that kind of thing away, especially, I think... It, the guy seems to be someone of, like, a higher-class standing. Yeah, so it's like... It's Darlene's a lower-class standing, so I think it's a thing where... She he would kind of not want to be seen near his home with her. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. So it's very early in the morning and she's out on the balcony. I think it's some kind of penthouse suite or something. So mm. she's out on the balcony and she's, you know, looking out into the, the view, the gorgeous view of New York as well. So you know that place was expensive. So the rich guy comes comes out and joins her and says that the world is filled with stupid people and that he gets paid to be smart. There's not just rich and poor, there are people like her in between the survivors. We then cut to Darlene. Oh, I love this scene. Sorry, <laughs> just got really excited reading my notes. Darlene goes to ballet. So she goes to a ballet class and it's very, very clear. As she's walking, you then notice that Angela is in the class and she walks right up to her and just starts a conversation. It becomes exceptionally clear that these two know each other. They've known each other a long time. They know each other. They are at least friends, right? Mm. So Darlene says to her, why are we always the ones getting so stressed when they're talking about Elliot? You then start to think at that point, if you weren't already with how many times Darlene was letting herself into Elliot's place, hang on a second, how long has Darlene known not just Elliot but Angela as well. We cut away to Elliot, who's meeting up with Mr. Robot, and Mr. Robot confirms that F Society is back. We cut back to Darlene on the subway, and there are two Asian guys that approach her and say, tell him to follow the proper commands and the sequence will initiate. We cut to the arcade, and Elliot tells the F Society team that he has installed a patch and has been monitoring it. I'm going to take a quick break there. What does that mean? What's a patch? So a patch is like a fix for something. So you know, like how a pa- like how a patch is used to repair like a hole on something, I guess. Oh, like a, a literal patch, like a yeah, band-aid type thing. Yeah, so it's thing. like an example would be like um, a video game. Obviously, they'll like they'll update it when there's like a glitch on the game or like a bug in the game. And that they would call it a patch. So then you have your patch notes that are like all the fixes they've made. Okay. But like a fix for any kind of like issues on like that kind of system would be called a patch. Cool. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. So back to it. And so, yeah, so Elliot has told the team that he's installed this patch and that he's been monitoring it. He gets a message from Lloyd Chung, his colleague from Allsafe, saying that Allsafe has been hacked again with this place. So Darlene warns him about leaving and that the Black Army are dangerous. The meet with White Rose may not go the way that they want it to and she says that he's the one they want to talk to. Darlene puts her number in his phone even though it goes against how F Society operates. If you remember back in episode one where we were introduced to F Society, they don't communicate in any way apart from face to face. So we now cut away to Evil Corp and Wellick is unravelling to say the least. 
Gideon is an evil corp to see Wellick and lets him know of Angela's confession that she broke the chain of custody with the DAT file. How it gets Colby off and how they've set up a honeypot as part of new security measures. They've set up a decoy server for the CS30 server in case hackers try to get back in the system. If you remember when they were hacked the last time, when they went to that, uh, what's it called? The Was it server farm? That's it. Yeah, it's- yeah, server farm, yeah. There was that one server, which is the CS30 server, that was that had remained infected and Elliot ended up saving the day before shit went wrong with the reboot. That's the same server that Gideon kept going back to, kept, you know, he was he was getting annoyed. Something was niggling in the back of his head that something wasn't quite right there. He's back at it and now he said that he set up a decoy server for it in case the hackers try to get back into the system. Yeah, because that's the one that um, Elliot left Elliot left like the uh, the file inside, didn't he? Because had like the F society, like the mark, yeah, the signature, exactly calling card, yeah. Right. So Wellick says that he wants to actually look at the server as Gideon leaves. He starts writing code and try. It looks like he's trying to get into CS thirteen that moment. I think before uh, being interrupted by his assistant who informs him that the police are there. A body has been found on the roof and the police want to speak to him. He tells her to tell him to take appointment, like he's going to talk to them at another time, set an appointment. He's going to the server farm in Dallas. Dun, dun, dun. Back at All Safe, the team are trying to manage the hack, this new hack that's happened. Ollie asks Elliot to stop what he's doing, which was at the time of reverse engineering the malware. Something I understood, again, are you proud of me? I actually know things. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's telling him to stop what he's doing and take some corrupted drives to a a store called Blank's Disk Re- Recovery. Blank's Disk Recovery, yes. He says that the IT guys that are meant to be doing it themselves are swamped. He affirms that it's not a debate. He's telling him to go do it and the appointment is at two o'clock. He can't be late, tells him to leave now so that he's not late, even though it's only 12 o'clock. Elliot hacks Ollie's email and sees that this has something to do with Angela, but he doesn't quite know what yet. We cut away to the Wellick residence and it is clear that Tyrell's wife thinks that he just slept with Sarah Knowles. She has no idea that he strangled her up on that roof. The plan was, as as uh, Mrs Wellick, what's her name? I forget her name. I didn't like write it down. Uh, I forgot. I will. I think it's like Joanna or something. I think it is Joanna. Joanna. That's it's, that's what just popped into my head. But I forgot yeah. to write it down in my notes for some reason. I'm just constantly. Yeah, Joanna. Joanna. Okay, I feel bad just referring to her as Wellick's wife constantly. So, Joanna, mm. the the psycho, she makes it very clear that the plan was for tyrell to sleep with sarah knowles and then take like pictures that they could then blackmail them with blackmail the couple with the plan clearly was not to kill sarah from what we find out so that's interesting my money when he killed her was that that was the plan even though it looked like it was out of passion and rage and all that kind of stuff i just would have assumed i don't know i just assumed that joanna was the super cold-blooded one that would want to do the murdering or be a part of it does that make sense I think anything that could like kind of be traced back to them in that way would be like, I think she isn't above it, but I think that she would see that as like a last resort kind of thing. Whereas most people would be like, okay, if it's going to go that far, I'm not going to have any part of it. She, she would see that as being 
the end to a means. Yeah, and actually, as you were saying that, I was thinking about it and I feel like she realises it's not a smart thing to do. So it's not that she's mm. above it morally, she's above it because she thinks it's stupid, which it is, because it's very easy for him to get caught for doing that. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it makes sense that it was just him losing it. We cut away to Elliot, who is confronting Angela in this scene. Angela admits what she did, that she is the one that put the CD with the malware into the, uh, well, into Elliot's computer to frame him for it. No, not Elliot, Ollie. Ollie, yeah. I was going to say it then. Yeah, that's, that's a twist she I didn't did even see coming. not do that. <laughs> that is a twist right out of the blue. No, no, no. She did not do that. She framed Ollie, which we're not upset about because Ollie's a piece of shit. Anyway, Elliot tells us, the Observer, that he was right. The hack is a distraction. This has something to do with him. Angela is yelling at Elliot that he's not been the same since before Shayla and that they don't talk anymore. Elliot tells us that hackers trust no one. He'll never be able to open up to her and she knows it. So strange. I really miss us. Why is that strange? Because I never thought I'd have to. Hackers. We inherently trust no one, including each other. I'll never be able to tell her. There will always be this divide, my wall that she can't look over. And she knows it. I thought that was so sad. So, so mm. sad. Especially with, like, how long they've been friends. Like, you can... It, it's strange that they've been as friends for as long as they can. Like, as long as they have, like, from childhood, with Elliot being the way that he is. Because it makes you wonder, has he always been this kind of cold person? Because there's... I think there was a hint in an earlier episode about um, how he's not... He hasn't been... He hasn't always been like this, but it hasn't been for a very long time. I think someone said something like you were only born like a month ago i think in the early episode it was in it was in that fever dream so when he was yeah. withdrawing angela shows up and tells him you're only a month old yeah so like there, there's there's like that's like the second hint we've gotten towards that this isn't normal elliot which obviously like he's going for like a load of stuff at once it isn't normal him but it sounds like people have expected him to behave be behaving a lot differently to this Sure. I think he is unravelling, but I, that month old thing, I thought, related to something else that's coming up later, which I don't want to yeah, go ahead no, of myself. No, yeah, I'll no, tell you when we get there, because it will jog my memory. But that's what I thought that that was relating to. Mm. But sure, I mean, I don't, I don't get the impression that he's been like this the entire time, but I do think that he's had elements of this type of behaviour and personality, but it's made exponentially worse by... You know how he grew up i think when maybe yeah. he was younger he wasn't like that and then it kind of got worse as he grew up it got worse when his dad died it got worse when his um when we see those scenes with his mum kind of not being very kind to him it gets worse as he goes into the real world and i'm guessing his mental health difficulties kind of manifest yeah. themselves i think it's a, a progression but the the elliot that we're seeing right now is definitely an unraveled version to mm. even the one we saw in episode one He's definitely behaving a lot differently to Angela, at least. So I kind of see where she's where she's coming from. Yeah. 
So we then cut back to Elliot. So Elliot is now at this blanks disc recovery and introduces himself as Elliot Alderson. This is the second time we're hearing his full name. I made a note of that. He gets led into a room with a woman who is seemingly white rose. She says it was him who was not ready and that was failing all along and wasn't focused and that it was him that strayed from the hat to target Terry Colby, which opened a vulnerability and a suspicion from Gideon. Elliot realises that that's why they hacked Allsafe. White Rose tells Elliot about the Honeypot server and she gives him 50 hours and 23 minutes exactly to get it all sorted because when all the parties are ready, they will initiate the hack. White Rose tells him that he will never see her again and leaves without answering Elliot's question, which was, why are they working with F Society? I loved that scene. Mm. I loved that scene. It was so simple. It was two people in a dark room. White Rose was doing some kind of... Was she like assembling something? What was she even doing? I don't even it was, know. It was odd because she wasn't originally in the rooms. Like the, the drives he's got are like ones that have to be wiped, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Corrupted so like obviously drives. there's... Yeah, there's a guy already in there in, like, the hazmat suit, and then he leaves. He's, like, I guess the face of things. And then she comes into the room behind him. So I think she, I think she, like, uses a magnet on the drives, if I remember correctly. Because obviously that Uh, that can then corrupt the data that's inside them. Yes, yes. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And then just puts a cigarette out on it as well, just for a bit of flourish, to be honest. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. Mm. White, White Rose is an amazing character, like a hundred percent. It's she's just very mysterious. She's great. She's mm. really great. She is, you know, when you so when like you hear about a character before you meet them, mm. and they're kind of, I guess, reputation precedes them. We only know that she leads up the Dark Army. So, but yeah. that in itself is a, you know, it's a, it's a very big, it's it's big shoes to fill, is what I'm trying to mm. say. But when she showed up. And she was so calm and measured and numbers focused and very, very focused on time. And just the way that each line was delivered and every action, it was just, I mean, she exceeded every expectation I had for the leader of something as ominous sounding as the Dark Army. Mm. She was just fantastic. I just, I remember like watching that scene again. I literally started it from the beginning. So just... It's a very interesting character to put on the screen, especially at that time as well, like in 2015. Yes. Is that... Hang on, I'm just going to quickly Google something. Um, I can't remember exactly. Do you... Like, you obviously remember, like, when Caitlyn Jenner had, like, their their surgery and everything. I think that was around 2015-ish. May... Mm. I feel like it's longer than that, surely. I remember it the same time. I remember it vaguely because I remember South Park parodying it. Uh, I have no idea. It's going to take ages for me to figure it out. Um, oh my goodness, you're actually. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. 2015. Mm. Yeah, because I remember because I was in uni at the time and I remember watching this alongside with. Um, 
the, that most recent season of South Park. So I remember them parodying her uh, back when she obviously was before she was she came out. Um, when she'd hit someone with a car, they like they did a parody about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I remember it it's sticking in my mind a little bit around that time. But but it was interesting to kind of have that happening in the real world. And then in this, we are, we've suddenly got White Rose, a trans character. And it's it's not really, it's treated very respectfully. It's not really mentioned. It's just a thing. It's not mentioned. It's not mentioned at all. And what's interesting about it is that you don't know if she's trans. So just for, just for clarity, for anyone who actually hasn't seen Mr. Robot and is just listening to us talk about it, there are plenty of shows I actually haven't seen, but I like hearing people talk about it. So there's no judgment here. If you haven't seen it, when we're introduced to White Rose, we are introduced to a woman that appears to be either a trans woman or potentially um, a male that identifies as male but may choose to dress as female. It's not made clear because it's not mentioned. Mm. You know that that is a male actor if you watch television shows yeah. or films. This guy is well known. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. B. When you Wong. see his face, you know him. Say that again. B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong, thank you. If if you don't recognise the name, literally Google B.D. Wong right now as you listen to this. Look at his face. You have seen him and stuff, right? So when you watch this scene, you recognise B.D. Wong. But B.D. Wong is dressed as a woman with makeup and a let's say altered whisper type voice right mm-hmm. so it's you don't know if the character is supposed to be trans you don't know if the character is supposed to you, you just you're not it's not mentioned and i think that adds a little bit to the allure of the whole scene it makes you just pay attention it makes you stop I mean, if you weren't paying attention already, you'd just stop what you're doing and go, what is happening here? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just, just so that you're aware, so episode seven, so season one, episode seven, aired uh, in August, on the 12th of August in 2015. So only a couple of months after Caitlin came out as trans, which was earlier on in April, and then yeah. announced her new name, which was in July. So like the month before... Yeah, so there probably wouldn't have been enough time that they could have taken inspiration from that, but no. there was enough time that you could kind of, you've, what's the right word? That like that it's kind of coincidental. They've, they've got a couple of coincidental things in this show, to be honest. I'll, I'll mention one of them when we get to episode ten. But there's like a couple of coincidental things that kind of work a bit in the show's favour. But this is kind of like the fact that this happened earlier in that year. And obviously, this happening here—it was—it was quite—it was quite interesting. I did until now. I didn't quite clue onto it until just now. But it's yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing for it to have, have that show and the real life situation happening. I'd go as far as to say it's probably them just being ahead of the curve rather than anything that was planned to coincide mm. with what was happening in that moment. Because yeah. yeah. One, it would have been too soon, and two, the way they write this show, it's just too methodical. It wouldn't make sense for them to throw that in there if it wasn't planned already. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but it just it just seemed like it's more likely that they're more ahead, like they're they're ahead of the curve. They're ahead mm. of the 
the narrative, the conversations that are already happening in, in the public space more than it being about Caitlyn Jenner or something similar in that time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. It's, it's just an example mm. of just how, just oh, just great, just so it, on point. It's handled with just, like, the utmost respect and, like, like the utmost, not, there's no kind of walking on eggshells around the character or anything. It's just that kind of thing. When it, like, the only people who ever really mentioned White Rose before was Cisco and Darlene. And whenever, I, mean, I distinctly remember, I think it was the episode before, it's when he, when she sees him playing chess in the park. And talks about him, her using his uh, his uh, login for trying to arrange the meeting. Yeah, yeah. Where in that conversation, Darlene genders White Rose, assuming that White Rose is a man, and says he. Cisco never does. Oh. And I like knowing knowing obviously that that White Rose was trans. I picked up on this, but then at the same time. I wouldn't have thought someone like Cisco would ever really have met White Rose. I doubt very much that Cisco had met White Rose. And I think that Darlene probably only gendered White Rose out of assuming that it would be a male yeah. that would head up the Dark Army. But that because that is interesting. But it but then it's interesting that Cisco never actually genders White Rose then. It's almost as if yeah, it's, it's purposeful. Hmm. All very interesting. Everything around the whole White Rose Dark Army thing just is so interesting, particularly in these last couple of episodes. Just amazing. Mm. So, Elliot's been given that time limit. Remember? He has 50 hours, 23 minutes. So he's now rushing back to the office and he tells us that he needs to get to Gideon's phone. He says that he's been infected with White Rose's time paranoia and wishes that he could be like us, an observer, so that he could think calmly. He calls Darlene to help with a distraction so that he can get Gideon's phone. And he somehow trains his mind to arrive at the conclusion. So we just skip a bunch of stuff. I absolutely love that bit. It's like, it's, it's just, it's such an, un, it's like, they do some really good things with the idea of, a reli- of unreliable narrators. Like they, they use it to kind of drive the narrative a bit more than just having someone who's doing a voiceover summing things up. Yeah, like there's just such a playful way of it. Absolutely, and as we talked about last week, I think both of us said we generally don't particularly like narration type shows, Mm. but this is so different and this is so well done that you you forget about it because we're just part of the show. Yeah, beautiful. So arrive at the conclusion. He's back at the office instantly. We just have a whole gap and we stuff that we don't care about. We don't need to see, so we don't see it. An F Society video starts playing while he's in the office and everyone is staring at the screen. Elliot uses this time to hack Gideon's phone for the code that he needs. Now, he only has 90 seconds to log in using that code or it will refresh and he'll be locked out again. The F Society video stops playing and Gideon looks around. You know he's already suspicious, so he's wondering where the hell Elliot is. He goes to his desk and asks why he wasn't watching with everybody else. He asked what he was doing. He's overtly suspicious of him at this point. And Elliot had actually managed to put the code in in time, which we see once Gideon walks away and opens up the screen again when Ollie calls Gideon away to take a phone call from Evil Corp. We cut away to a scene that 
was a little confusing. So Wellick is in the car with Mr. Robot and says mm. that they were supposed to be allies. He says that he knows that Mr. Robot uh, has a dirty little secret and he knows what it is. Mr. Robot says the only thing to do in Wellick's position when it comes to him is nothing. The reason this scene is a little bit confusing is because it depends on who you think Mr. Robot is. Yeah. If you think Mr. Robot is a manifestation of Elliot's imagination, then he shouldn't be having a conversation with Wellick, and that makes absolutely no sense. If you think that Mr. Robot is actually Elliot, why doesn't Wellick ever address him as Elliot? And why wouldn't Elliot just be there in the car as well, as a passenger, like Mm. whenever people are talking to Mr. Robot? If you think Mr. Robot is an actual person that exists already, what the hell is his dirty little secret and how do him and Wellick know each other? So on all levels, it is meant to just throw you off from what you, you're already suspecting. You know that something's off, but you like it just it yeah. messes with your head even more, that scene, I think. It's, it's the one thing about that is obviously like it's cut from one scene to the other. It's not meant to be kind of implied that both events are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it it also throws up so much in the air about what is genuinely happening now. Like, it's almost like the writers have got to this point. Because, I mean, it's one of those things that is very kind of telegraphed throughout the show. And if you obviously, if you've seen something like Fight Club, yeah, you'll kind of, you, you'll be attuned to be thinking, okay, I've seen this kind of thing before. Mm-hmm. And it it's one of those things that seems to be like a late game curveball to be like, okay, well... Do you, what you think might not actually be what you think and just throws this kind of underhanded at you. Yeah, and if you're already kind of suspicious and trying to figure out plots, which I do, naturally, not even on purpose, I just I find myself trying to figure what's going to happen, it kind of, it's it's meant to be a little bit of a curveball. It's kind of meant to throw you and make you question even more if you're already questioning, which is a little annoying, but still, still good to watch. Still a good scene to see because then we cut away to Wellit going home and when he gets there, he tells his wife that... Or he tells Joanna. I have to stop referring to, <laughs> to her as just his wife. That's so rude. So he tells Joanna that they have been focusing on what's in front of them and not what's above them. God says that, you know, she's pushed him to this and then all of a sudden the doorbell rings. Now, the detectives that were at the office before trying to speak to Tyrell are now at the door. They tell the couple that they are investigating a murder that occurred. Joanna is shocked, but plays along and lets them into the house. They stay questioning him as Joanna then goes into the kitchen to make them tea. While in the kitchen, you just hear her screaming. And as they rush over to see what's wrong, there's blood on the floor. And she has, she's got her hands over a baby bump. And Tyrell says that they need to go to the hospital that she must be in labour. As he finishes that sentence, he looks over and he sees a fork with blood on it. Now, we know Joanna's it's, crazy. It's, it's honestly like, it's a, it's a length... It, part of me wants to know if Joanna is doing this because she loves Tyrell or because she loves the power that Tyrell's going to get. Who even knows? But this mm. insane woman effectively not only stabbed herself which is what we're being led to believe yep while pregnant (laughs) 
But she would have had to have done it up her cooch. Because that's the only way you can induce labour. By any means necessary. Like, that is... Absolutely insane. That is psychopathic to a level Mm. that I just don't think we just see on TV like that. That is wild. Mm. We see some... We see psychopathic shit. We see people doing fucked up shit to other people. Mm. I don't think we've seen anything like this to someone doing it to themselves. Mm. And the way it's just thrown in there... This scene isn't very long. It's very, very quick. The way it's just thrown in there so casually is mad. Mm. I remember pausing and going... Hold on, what's going on here? <laughs> like, I had to, to take mention, a minute. It was a lot to process. Something to mention as well. I, f- I forgot about it earlier. Obviously, the police have already tried to talk to Tyrell at the office, right? And he's gone, no, they can set up a meeting. I'm not talking to him right now. How sus would that make you look? If when you can easily go, oh, well, I had nothing to do with it. I don't know what it is. And instead you go, no, give him a meeting. I need to leave here right now. He's not as smart as he likes to think he is, let's be honest. No, but but I think it's because he's dealing with stuff that's outside of his plan. Yeah, for sure. Like, he, he's a very measured to the plan person. So there's always got to be a plan. He doesn't, he doesn't just kind of improvise things. No. The fact that they're improvising now is kind of, he's not got any control. He hasn't been able to analyse the situation. Like, he's very similar to Elliot in that there needs to be a plan. Yeah, he can't think on his feet. Just no. like Elliot, he cannot think on his feet. We cut away from that scene and we see that Darlene and Elliot are at the fairground and Elliot tells her that the server will no longer be a honeypot in 43 hours and the root kit that she wrote will take down Evil Corp. We did it, Darlene. And at that point, I laughed because it sounded very much like, we did it, Joe. You know that video of Kamala Harris? <laughs> Oh god, yeah, yeah. When it was finally announced that they won, that but yeah. that's exactly what I thought of, and just had a little. See, that's the now. thing, Mister Robot. It's always always several steps ahead. Mad, years, years ahead, <laughs> six years ahead, crazy. So Darlene says that she would love to take credit, but it was him. He's the best person that she knows. She loves him so much, and then he leans in and starts kissing her. At which point she absolutely freaks out and asks if he has forgotten who she is again. Did you forget again? Did you forget who I am? What do you mean? Forget what? Elliot, I need you to tell me who you think I am. What are you talking about? Tell me right now. What are you saying? Elliot. Of course I didn't forget. You're Darlene. You're Darlene. Elliot. You're Darlene. Sister. You're my sister. 
have a few little moments of flashbacks and what I was suspecting for quite some time we actually find out that Darlene is his sister remember in the fever dream since we were talking about the fever dream there was that little girl that was on the scooter that was humming or singing Farah Jacka Elliot even makes it a point to say she was the one that would sing Farah Jacka mm. in one of the like flashbacks where it comes back to him that Darlene is his sister so yeah did you see this one coming do you remember because i know obviously it was a while since no 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 obviously they kind of hint towards um elliot having this kind of almost kind of other life like he's he, like there's some weird stuff going on with him for definitely the stuff that he's forgotten because he seems to always forget about like the dark art like the dark army the f society plans and everything like he's always like the last one to be made aware of them um but with like this one caught me off guard like obviously because most of the show makes you focus on like the mr robot connection so darlene is just kind of someone you just think i mean they're just close friends yeah like they're deaf like they definitely know each other like you kind of get hints they've known each other for a while but part of me at the beginning just thought that darlene was just like very kooky inappropriate person who just kind of was too comfortable around people quite quickly mm-hmm. um and then obviously as you get more into it you kind of realize that you know with the thing of her saying like she loves elliot earlier on and i think this episode or it's the last one whichever one they give each other's numbers in um yeah she puts you, she puts her yeah. number in his phone in the last one i think yeah and like you kind of get a bit more of a sense of okay but i didn't really kind of clue on to what their relationship was because it never felt like a romantic one yeah it felt like quite close friends but at the same time you're kind of like well this doesn't quite add up i think it went very over my head because i was very focused on like the connection between him and mr robot got you i was definitely to my surprise for definite i was very focused on the relationship between Mm. mr robot as well but the reason I kind of saw this coming was that I had a couple of clues. So when he let him, when she let herself into his place the second time, I was like, okay, what the hell? Then, I don't know if it's my mad mind, and I don't even know if casting intentionally did this, but they both have very big eyes, the actors. <laughs> mm. They've got very similar chins as well. Like yes. Their jawlines are very similar. Exactly. And the way they frame their mouths is very similar as well. Mm. So, I remember thinking the second time that she broke into his flat, holy shit, they're related. I Mm. wonder if she's his sister. And the moment that confirmed it for me wasn't this in the reveal, but it was the ballet, the ballet lesson. As soon as she knew Angela, I was like, 100% that's her sister, because there's no way that you can know his childhood friend and be that comfortable with him if you're not siblings. So the ballet lesson was the one that made it clear for me. Yeah. That's only because I'm especially paranoid about this type of stuff. I just always am when I watch this kind of thing. So I think that's the only reason I figured it out like earlier. Yeah. When I originally saw it, I think that scene kind of made me start cluing on, but I thought that maybe she was doing kind of like slight, like at the first, at first I thought she was trying to like, spy on Angela I didn't actually know each other they were just being going to start being friendly at a ballet recital and then 
well, after when the conversation starts, you realise, okay, they know each other. They know yeah. Elliot. And you start to kind of piece things together, but it still kind of went very over my head. Like, I did not see that connection coming. There is that moment when she's walking up to where Angela is already, like, stretching, where it seems like she's going to, like, like she's single white females her. Like, mm. she's going to like she's been stalking her and, and maybe has a friendship with her but it is outside completely outside of Elia but obviously as they start talking they're talking about Elia so I was yeah. like oh yeah no it's she has that I think that just made it like okay 100% and so this reveal I actually remember the first time watching this cringing at Elliot kissing kissing her because at that point I was already sure in my mind yeah. And I was just like, oh, I think I even made that sound. Because <laughs> my shoulders go up and everything. Like, I remember having a full on cringe. And then obviously there was the whole reveal. So that's a mad one, though. They kept that. They kept that going. This is right at the end of episode eight. So they really kept that going for a mm. while without actually making it clear who she was to him. So obviously, after all of this, you know, Elliot's remembering all this stuff. All this stuff's coming back to him. He's clearly forgotten so much. He just goes into a bit of a spiral. He's questioning absolutely everything, including his sanity, of course. He usually does that anyway, to be fair. he's I think he's now at his apartment because he's standing in front of a mirror. He looks at the mirror, sees himself. Then he sees Mr. Robot in his place. Then he sees the masked man in F Society's videos. He then tries to hack himself and can't find anything. He questions, did I erase myself? He then goes through his little portfolio of CDs, which we were introduced to early on when Shayla died and he was making CDs of of her favourite music and stuff, or labelling it as her favourite music. As he goes through it, there's one blank CD, which he then pulls from the collection. It uh, He puts it in. It's not music. He enters a password. He puts some kind of code in it. And then he sees pictures of Mr. Robot and he realises that Mr. Robot was actually his dad before he died. There's a knock at the door and Mr. Robot is stood on the other side of that door and says, I think we should talk. And that is the end of episode eight. So back to you, Nathan. Did you see the twist of Mr. Robot coming? Did you know that was Elliot's dad? I, I think part of it I got was that I definitely thought Mr. Robot wasn't real, but it being his dad was like again with like the Darlene thing, like it, there being a relation is like what really shocked me. Like that, I did not like it, it just came out of nowhere. I didn't see that coming at all. But like, um, it's one of the things like on reflection, the twist makes perfect sense. But it, it like it surprised me a lot. It's, but you kind of like you kind of piece it together because you see. Like the, like the whole thing of him not being real you piece together but the whole thing of him being his dad you kind of have one scene I believe that really hints towards it and that's when he pushes him off that boardwalk because he, he seems to know like a load about like their family history like he knows about like him revealing his dad's secret of like him secretly having cancer and then pushes him off yeah and, well like, in that moment he talks yeah. about his dad pushing him out the window yeah and so as Elliot's talking about that and then he then tries to put the blame back on Elliot again for revealing his secret, he then pushes mm. him off. Yeah. So I'm very much like you. So I was about 95% sure in the first episode that Mr. Robot was not real. 
from that moment, it only got more and more certain, right? Yeah. Like well, it, that Wellick scene in the car that I talked about threw a little bit of a wrench in it, but still, I was pretty sure that he wasn't real. And I was still very, I was 99% still. Like, I was very yeah. close at this point. Him being his dad threw me for an absolute loop. And then I got really pissed off at myself because, as you say, the signs were all there. When you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And then you can see all of the Easter eggs that the writers mm. actually planted from literally their first interaction. And it is crazy when you look at it that way and you go, oh my God, of course that's their dad. Of course. I just did not see it coming. Like, literally, they had to spell it out for me with the photos. Mm. It's with that the photos as well. I think he mentioned this, but obviously, um, you say I think he said about the Freya Shocker girl from like his like big vi- like his uh... fever dream, the withdrawal, the fever dream, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, like that's Darlene as a small child, mm. and it's like like setting that little bit up that even in just a small photo, that unless you kind of were looking for it, you wouldn't even notice that. Like, that's such a I think that's such a nice little detail, man. Speaking of detail, they did not fuck around with the beginning of episode nine. Mm. I loved the beginning of episode nine, man. I, I I know that I keep saying in every episode, oh man, I loved this episode, or I love this bit, or I love this show. It's because it's just so good. Mm. It's so, so good. Episode nine starts with some old computers. So the opening scene, it shows a bunch of old computers and there's a radio that's on. And the commentator is talking about the 1994 World Series. So it's telling us straight away, this is, we're in 94 right now. The phone rings and we see Elliot's dad answering the phone and says, Mr. Robot, which we then find out is the name of the store. So uh, later on, a guy comes in and says that Elliot, a young Elliot, obviously at this time, stole from him and he wants his money. Elliot's dad refuses and the guy even becomes abusive and ends up saying, look, just keep your $20 and then leaves. It turns out that a young Elliot was hiding in the back room. He comes out and he tells his dad that he didn't do it. Then Elliot's dad kind of did this like gesture thingy. And then Elliot was like, all right. And then handed over the $20 that he had clearly stolen. And his dad said that, said that they'll actually spend that money on a movie. Elliot asks him, well, why, why am I not in trouble? And his dad says that what he did was wrong, but he's a good kid and that guy was a prick. Sometimes that matters more. And then Elliot's dad has a little bit of a cough as he's talking. Yeah. We of course know it's because he is ill at this point. Um, again, lovely little Easter egg in there, so much in there, but my my favourite bit is that he makes the point of saying that Elliot is a good kid, the guy was a prick, and sometimes that mm. matters more. So even if you're doing the wrong thing, basically if you're doing it for the right reasons and it's only affecting bad people, then it's yeah. kind of like he's okay with it. Exactly. Um, what I quite as well was, I think it like, might be a detail you might have in your notes later on, but obviously like his... The shot being Mr. Robot, obviously that made, that hints towards Mr. Robot's name. Like the whole time he's been wearing that jacket mm-hmm. that has the logo for the With shop the on it. Yeah, yeah. Pack, that's how he starts calling him Mr. Robot. Yeah, when they first see yeah. each other on the subway. He looks over at his little lapel thing and it says Mr. Robot on it. Okay, right. I'm, I think my brain completely missed that one because there's so much packed up into each episode. Like you could like 
recalling half of it is ridiculous. Man, it is hard to. That's why when mm. I was making these notes, do you know what I thought? I thought I'd watch this season, take a couple of bullet points, and we'll just have mm. a free-flowing conversation. As I started, I was like, oh, no, that means something. I'm sure that does. No, that means something. Okay, let me just write out everything I can think of like as yeah. I'm going through it. Because it's just... It's, it's, it's one of those things that if you... They, there was a thing when I was doing script writing in uni where we were told that one of the best scripts ever is... Oh, is it called? Um, the Comedy Swingers. Uh, the one that has like Vince Vaughn and John Favreau in it. Oh, we've, like, okay. we've always been told that is one of the best scripts ever because it's to the point. It does everything correct. There's not a single wasted scene. Mm -hmm. I would say, like, in modern day equivalent, this show is basically the same. Like, every scene has a purpose. There's no scene where it's, like, it's just kind of there. It's just because the writer wanted to show off, the director wanted to show off, the actor wanted to show off. There's no, like, pointless kind of middling thing. There's each scene has a reason for being there. It tells you something about a character, advances the plot, or it kind of sets something up for a future thing. Everything is either a setup, a callback, mm. or no, I think that's it. It's either a setup or a callback. I don't think mm. there's anything that we learn that's not useful. No, like, like there's not. That's why you've had to put so much into your notes and everything is because every everything tells you what you need to know. You learn something everywhere. It's 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 incredible for like a TV show, but definitely like a lot of TV shows you watch these days have got. They've like, got even... like those kind of wasted scenes that yeah, they're cool scenes, but they don't advance anything. Yeah, it's not necessary. Mm. And I think as I was watching it, even if I didn't know what it meant, I knew it meant something, which is why I just kept taking the notes. I didn't know that it wasn't like what it was going to lead to, right? But I mm. knew it felt like an Easter egg. It felt important as I was watching it. And so that's why I took so many bloody notes because it was just like, I can't, I can't miss this out because it is, I can feel that it's integral to the story even if I don't understand how and why. Mm, mm. Um, and there's, that writing is like... just it's great. It's, I love when mm. writing feels important. I love that. I just think mm. not everything needs it. There's always a, a room for, for much lighter stuff, more sitcom type stuff and all that kind of, I get it. But with this type yeah. of show, it is so refreshing and so needed to have just whether you understand it or not, whether you get the subject matter or not, it draws you right in because it feels important. Hmm. And there's a, it's incredible, like things they're setting up that like don't come into play until like season four, even. Like whether or not it's intentional or not, because I know I know they had the whole show basically written before they went to actually make it. That makes sense. So like he had, I think he had like at least five seasons planned out, plotted out, ready to go, which helps with like calling forward and calling back and everything. Mm. Um, and it's it's just so incredible like because because having a season four so fresh in my mind because obviously that was before we started rewatching season one that was the last one i saw and just kind of p- picking up things now that i've been like oh that makes sense for this later on or this this explains this a little bit better or that makes more sense now you know like it's it's incredible for like a show to do something like that it really is it really is and and as i said in the last le- last episode that we recorded for this I've still not seen past season one. Mm. 
I'm about to start season two again. I've been putting it off because I wanted to make sure that we just spoke about this and I got this out of the way before I started. Yeah. But I can absolutely believe, and it's no surprise at all, that there's so much stuff that is going to be covered in later seasons that has been set up here. One, because that's the clearly the style of the writers. And two, because even though we got a lot of answered questions at the end, there was still stuff that was open-ended, which was exciting. Yeah, Which, it's... when you really think about it as an Easter egg, when you think about every scene being important, it's exciting to see what they're going to do with that and what mm. they intended for that to it's, be or it's, to become. It's bold as well. That's the thing about the show. Is it's a brave show. It's a bold show because they go headfirst into it. There's no dumbing down or anything. There's no trying to appeal to like the common denominator with it. It's like a lot of shows, they wouldn't do half this stuff because... Like you, like in the like how American TV works, you don't know if you're going to get another season. You could no. be setting up like plot twists and setting up like cliffhangers for no good reason. But they went into it fully confident. Even if they never got like full four seasons, they'd have committed to we have a season plan. We're not going to change this. Yeah, they're just out here saying we mm. know we know this is going to grip audiences. Mm. We know what we have here. And they just went full force for it. And you got to rate that. You have to respect mm. that. And even we talked about how good the writing is a lot, you know, in our recap. But I think we've also mentioned that the cinematography has been fantastic. How everything's mm. been shot has been great. The post-production has been exceptional. And we, we see that in this, in episode nine. Because once we get past that opening scene, which took us back to 1994, uh, we had, you know, the Mr. Robot sign and the, the intro was yeah. Mr. Robot the shop in various like in various stages as it was then taken over by different people after yeah. Elliot's dad passed away. Again, simple but highly effective. It was mm. so great. Such a fantastic intro. To be honest, when I was watching that bit now, like watch like watching back and everything, I was trying to pick out to see if there's any kind of like subtle Easter eggs in there. Oh I'm there sure isn't. There there, as far as I could tell, there isn't any meaning behind any of the businesses that are on there, except for the final one that takes it over. Ah, uh, okay. Like, obviously, like, that's kind of setting up, uh, a ve- like, I guess, something of a vendetta for Elliot, slightly, with, like, the last one being a bank for Evil Corp. Sure. Yeah, that's... Like, it's, you know, the childhood place where his dad made his business is now this. No, and it's, it's the company that killed. Mm, yeah, it's a it's a weird like. There's a very anti-consumerism message throughout the whole thing, and that's something that I. It's one of those things that I kind of agree with a tiny little bit. Where like you could walk through a high town and you can see businesses that are like well-known businesses, but the shop fronts they're in are such beautiful shop fronts because they used to be like a cell phone business. It's like um, one of the old places I used to work, a phone shop in town here. The front of it is so beautiful. It's a nice glass window, like curved glass. There's like a walkway in. And it used to be a bakery, like back in, up until like the 80s, I think. And like you look like you look around the place, you think like, and inside is just a phone shop. Like it's all plain blue walls, white tables, phones set up everywhere, like fake walls to cover the old walls that used to be there. It looks nothing like it would, like it used to at all. And I think like the Bank of Ecop thing being there kind of speaks a little bit for that with like businesses kind of taking over any shop front and kind of taking what made it unique out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the gentrification of it all, mm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Business form, absolutely. 
man this show is deep this show is mm. deep it does not mess around i tell you so we are now back in present day and elliot and mr robot are sat in elliot's kitchen mr robot says wait i think elliot says it's really you and then mr robot says it's disconcerting that elliot doesn't recognize him or he didn't recognize him and darlene Mm. Elliot tells well actually Elliot starts asking first why he didn't tell him anything is that what the last three months have been? no it's been about us doing something important that's what it still needs to be about he died he died you're dead suggest you lower your voice. Mr. Robot tries to get him to be quiet as he doesn't want, quote, them to hear him. There are men in suits outside and Mr. Robot talks about people wanting to control Elliot, people not wanting him to be alive or for them to work together. Elliot is losing it while Mr. Robot is trying to get him to focus and says to him, follow me for answers now we cut away to angela's lawyer's office and they're preparing for news of colby's confession and it's it's about to break today so angela says that she's there to help out she has quit her job and the lawyer's like uh you can't work here angela says that she'll never find another job in tech after that testimony that she gave saying that she broke the chain of custody and that she's now broke and the lawyer basically, in a bit of a heartless way, if I'm honest, says, well, you need to find a job. We cut away to Darlene and Darlene calls Angela to let her know that she can't find Elliot. Angela was apparently the one who found him the last time that he was tripping out and tells Angela that Elliot tried to kiss her. Mm. They meet at the location that Angela found him the last time. He's not there. And... Angela tells Darlene that she doesn't know him anymore, that he's been acting different ever since Darlene moved back to the city. The siblings never used to be close, we find out. So why are they suddenly hanging out a lot together? Something I found quite interesting was um, them saying about, obviously, Elliot was talking about being fight or flight earlier on. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I don't know if you yourself ever dealt with it personally, but when you kind of are fight and flight, obviously it's exactly what it says you either kind of stay there or you will just you can you can have a break where you just literally just kind of walk um I, a friend of mine his ex-girlfriend used to have like uh well so used to ha- has bpd mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a kind of a similar thing there where like literally she can have like a moment where she's fine and then all of a sudden she'd walk five miles into the countryside so like they 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 kind of are talking about Elliot being very much flight, which as he said he is flight. Mm-hmm. So they like obviously what they're referring to is the last time he went like this, went fight or flight, and he just kind of walked out. And we're seeing, I think, with the Elliot scenes in this, we're very much seeing um, like the inside perspective of someone that has gone into this state. Yes. So obviously, like normally he'd be stood there, kind of silent not really saying anything but in his head we've got this kind of this thing going on where we're kind of what's driving him on this journey Mm -hmm. 
that's that's my that's my like perceptive of it because a lot of the time when he's interacting with Mr. Robot, people are kind of taking notice around them. But in the scenes where they are interacting in this one, like on the train platform and everything, there no one's noticing. Like they, there's not that kind of sense of eyes on them, which in early scenes we do see. I felt like it was the other way around. Mm. I felt like when he'd been interacting pre, like before episode nine, when they interacted with each other, I think people didn't really pay much attention. Oh, I think people yeah. only ever paid attention when mm. they were actually interacting with either Elliot or Mr. Robot. Mm. But people they never notice... actually paid attention to Mr. Robot and Elliot speaking to each other from from memory. I'm probably thinking of when they speak to each other, that, but they fit like they physically are interacting. So, um, a good example was when Mr. Robot is at all safe. Like he, like Elliot grabs him. People notice that happening. But I think it's because, you know, you see a guy talking to himself, you'd probably kind of just steer clear of it, wouldn't you? But if you see a guy. I guess fighting with himself, you you would take notice of that. Yeah, which is interesting that you say that because that leads us to something that's going to happen in this episode. Mm, yeah. Um, but I'm yeah I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't remember seeing that. But yeah, that makes sense. That obviously, if if it was that point where he's grabbing, is it that Elliot grabbed Mister Robot? Um. Or the other yeah. Way in in all safe, yeah, Elliot grabs him because Elliot's like, "What are you doing here?" And grabbed like I, th- I think he grabs him. It like rattles his desk, and like all the people around kind of like take a Lock look at it. Look. Okay, but I can't remember exactly what episode it happens in because it never really that situation well, never only... really gets brought up by anyone. The only time Mister Robot goes to see Elliot from memory is when they go to that bar mm. when mm. they go get apple teenies. Yeah, and that's already when things have been unraveling. That was only like last episode or something. Or the one before, maybe. Actually, no. Wait, we talked about Apple. That was, that was early. That was think, episode actually, five. Yeah. Episode five, I think. Yeah. I have a feeling it was like five. Um. Yeah. No. That that obviously would draw attention. Then, obviously, if they're fighting each other, because yeah, from the outside perspective, he's grabbing himself. But yeah, because <laughs> obviously, like with Elliot, Mister Robot being Elliot as well, all of the F Society plans have been made by Elliot. Yes. But when he is Mr. Robots, that's also why when he's quite confused about a plan, that's why everyone is very concernedly kind of looking at him. I think Romero is the person who voices it the most. With being I'd kind of like either, I'd say either Romero Romero expresses confusion and yeah. knowing that he's a junkie, but Darlene is probably the one that expresses the most frustration at it happening, like irritation. Yeah. She's just very irritated by it. And it makes sense, obviously, once you find out that Mr. Robot is him, that Darlene is just very irritated. Every time he was Mm. asking all those questions, think back to all the times he was asking about who's in charge and can I speak to your boss and what's the plan and all this shit. That must sound really irritating when you just told me what the fucking plan was about a week ago. Yeah. And all of those reactions make so much sense at that point when you know that not only is Mr. Robot not real, but most Mr. Robot is him. It is very much a fight club situation. Yeah. So, where are we? Hang on, I've lost where I am in my notes. 
Um, it was them going to that museum to try and find Elliot because he was yes. kind of on, on the run, I guess. Yeah. Um, so once they've done that, we uh, we have Darlene. Okay. So basically we end that scene with Angela trying to basically figure out why they're hanging out so mm. much. We know why. We know it's because of this whole F Society thing. But of course, Angela is in the dark about that all. So... We cut away to Elliot and Mr. Robot, who are now waiting on a train, which you mentioned about them being on a platform. So they're yeah. waiting on a train, and both of their paranoia is extraordinarily high at this point. I'm saying both because we still see them as two different characters at this point. They're still yeah. presenting as two different characters. We know they're the same person, but... Mr. Robot tells Elliot that they can't see Darlene just yet. Elliot tells us that he's remembering more and more, and he'll be back to normal soon. We cut away to the hospital and Wellick's wife has given birth. Thankfully, that baby is healthy because bloody hell, she stabbed herself in the cooch with a fork. I'm just not <laughs> over it. I'm not over it. It's mad. She says that the baby reminds her of the baby that she gave up for adoption when she was 15. Joanna says that she no longer wants to be married to Tyrell and tells him to fix this if he wants to remain a part of this family. Again, just reminding us, she's too smart for this shit. He really just fucked stuff up. This was dumb. The whole thing is basically mm. her saying, "This was absolutely dumb. Fix it, or you're out." She's kind of she's kind of his version of Mister Robot, mm. a little bit like yes. that kind of that part of him that is driven has like has the plan. Like for Elliot, he has to create another manifestation to be right. This is the plan. This is what you need to do because the Elliot that he is just doesn't just just can't formulate that he's got too many things going on in his head so it's like he's he's taken on all of like the anxiety and everything and then Mr Robot is the clarity yes and the more and more that Tyrell is unraveling the more mm. he's very much becoming like Elliot and the more Joanna has to be his Mr Robot hmm all mad. So many, so many synchronicities. That word is hard. So we cut away to Gideon, who has arrived at Blank's Disc. So if you remember, Blank's Disc Recovery is where Elliot had his meeting with the amazing White Rose. As Gideon arrives to collect the corrupted drives that Elliot had taken, there's clearly been a fire. He turns up to a very destroyed building. And he's just looking at it in wonder before we cut away to the evil corp offices. Wellick is now back at the office and the CEO, Philip, is in Wellick's office and he tells him that he's a person of interest after Scott Knowles' statement to the police about the advances that he had made to Sarah while she was alive. Philip says, Scott will continue here, but you, I'm afraid, cannot. Wellick loses his mind, of course, and Philip says that there there has to have been a moment of compulsion or of poor decision-making, something that led him here. He advises that he finds it. Wellick completely, at this point, the face that we have seen Wellick have, that stern face that he had for several episodes, that personality that we have come to know or the way that we know of him, the way that we know of him to react to things. It's been going downhill, but at this point, it's right at the bottom where Wellick actually begs Philip. 
I never mm. thought I would see the day that Tyrell Willick would beg anyone for anything. And that was mad to me. Like, I know he just killed someone not so long ago, right? In, like, a fit of rage. But this is the moment where I was like, oh, he's just done. Yeah, it, it's, you know I mean? the, it's, the any, it's the any means necessary thing. It's literally he's he's not willing to just go, okay, I've lost. He's He's fully just, I need this. Like, he is a mess. I think mm. it's because I never put murder past him. Mm. But begging, I did. Begging surprised me more than the murder. <laughs> <laughs> Which is mad. But genuinely, that's how I viewed mm. that character. So, yeah, well, it begs Philip and Philip is very disappointed and leaves. What do you think about Philip, by the way? Because we haven't seen much of him. Philip, I yeah, think he's... he's a worse sociopath than Wellick could ever be. He's what <laughs> Wellick dreams to be. Mm. Philip gives me Bezos mixed with Elon Musk mixed with not the genius of Elon Musk, but mm. the ego of Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, just to be clear, mixed with who's the worst politician ever? Oof. I mean, there's a lot to pick from. I'm gonna... when, you say, when you say worst, do you mean like incompetent? Well, it wouldn't be incompetent. Not incompetent. Like kind of cold, Not incompetent. cold, callous. I'm talking um... about highly competent. Let's go for the for the for the purposes of competency. Let's go, Ronald Reagan. Hmm. Let's go, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. So I'm thinking Philip gives me Bezos crossed with the ego of Elon Musk crossed with Ronald Reagan. I could see that, yeah. Because he's like like he's got a strange like kind of delivery to himself as well. I quite like the way he's acting because he's Oh he comes ac- he comes across as like a very kind of almost a friendly old man at the start when you see him when he when he says to like Tyrell about oh we've got this uh, candidate sorry we're about to push your meeting back and everything and you kind of now in in hindsight now you're kind of thinking was he just trying to piss Tyrell off oh he is dastardly mm. and as this episode goes on and as we watch episode 10 we see that mm. he is calculated he is measured he's literally what Wellick dreams he could be but he, I don't even think Wellick knows it that's how that's how good Philip is because I genuinely don't believe that Tyrell knows that that's exactly who he wants to be when he grows up. Yeah. I really don't. I don't think he even knows because I think that Philip is very, very careful about who he shows certain things to. And remind me that I said that because his interactions later really, really just yeah. sealed that for me. But we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So. Yeah. Where are we up to? So yeah, so Philip leaves after Tyrell begs, which again, surprising as fuck. As he's walking out of the building, the detectives try to speak to Tyrell again. And Tyrell says, if you have any questions, contact my lawyer. If you have any evidence, charge me. And he walks off. We cut away to Elliot, who arrives at a home and it turns out that it was his childhood home. He looks up and he sees the window that his dad had thrown him out of. So he's now seeing it in the childhood bedroom, we're assuming. Mm. 
and Mr. Robot makes him realise that it was him that was actually angry and not his dad. So he was angry at himself and feeling all the guilt and the shame associated with that for revealing his dad's secret about the cancer to his mum when he was eight. And Mr. Robot effectively makes it seem to like to him that it was actually Elliot that threw himself out of the window. Yeah. At that point, Elliot throws Mr. Robot out the window. Or does he? Or does he? Because we know Mr. Robot's not real. So who's gone out the window? At all safe, Gideon is trying to rescind a request to get rid of the Honeypot server. So if you remember, this request was made the day before by Elliot. He used the distraction with the F Society video on the screens to hack Gideon's phone, get a login code, and then get into Gideon's emails. So the person on the phone with Gideon is at the server farm and says that the request wasn't just put through by him the day before, by Gideon, but it was also confirmed by Tyrell Wellick. We cut back to Darlene and Angela, who are now at Darlene and Elliot's childhood home. They are arriving at the home and they see the broken window. It cuts to Elliot and Mr. Robot at a cemetery and you can hear Darlene and Angela's voices in the background, even though it's actually, you know, the scene's being focused on on Elliot and Mr. Robot. You can hear their voices calling out to Elliot in the distance. Now, Mr. Robot says that, you know, they, i.e. Darlene and Angela, will try to get rid of him again and that they will never, ever leave Elliot. He sits down by a headstone and at that moment, Darlene and, and Angela are approaching and Darlene asks who Elliot is talking to when they get to him. Elliot realises that he's at his dad's grave and that he's the one that's been injured, not Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot is not there anymore. And Angela asks him who he thinks he's been talking to. Elliot. Who do you think you've been talking to? You're gonna make me say it, aren't you? I am Mr. Robot. At this moment, Elliot finally bloody realises that he is Mr. Robot. So he threw himself out of his bloody childhood window again. <sighs> so, as they wait for a train back into the city, so remember, they grew up in Jersey, so... They are yeah. now waiting on the platform to get a train back into New York City. Angela says to Elliot that he's going to be okay, that she envies him and wishes that she could talk to her mum again, even if she wasn't real. I know that was kind of meant to be sweet, but I didn't like that. It rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Do you remember that scene of them on the platform of her saying that to him? Vaguely. I don't know why that stuck to me, like stuck with me, but it really rubbed me the wrong way, her saying. It kind of made it feel like, I don't know, I think maybe it was written in a way to kind of show that she's sympathising with him, that she's going to be there for him and all this kind of stuff. But for me, it really just felt kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, when you're talking to somebody about something that's happened to you and they then turn it and make it about themselves? Yeah. Um, that's kind of almost what it felt like. a word for it. 
definitely a word for it, but I can't think off the top of my head. I know, I know the kind of thing you mean. Where you it's... know, what, like a one-upman, like a one-upman, yeah. kind yeah. of, kind of. But it's like the only reason it felt that way is because if someone is someone's going through a mental health crisis, I don't know that I would tell them that I envy them for the delusions that come with it. Do you know what I mean? It was just weird. I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I wasn't a fan. I think it's because at the moment, Angela's obviously like very, she's been very focused mainly on herself with like the whole thing that's been going on with, um, with like that dark army hack of like them threatening her. Mm-hmm. She's been very focused on herself. Like Ollie, she, she said like, fuck off to like, she doesn't care about his part in like what will affect him. Like she's even throwing him under the bus for it. Mm-hmm. So I think at the moment she's very self-focused. She's very driven by kind of one thing, and that's just getting like this level of revenge. Yeah, and I think this is probably I think the fact that I didn't like that might have been my I don't know, my subconscious or my brain's way of being mm. like, there's something not okay with this character right now. And more on that in a bit. <laughs> because I think maybe that I think that's the first time where I saw I saw an interaction between Angela and Elliot and I I wasn't kind of supporting it or kind of team Angela or anything. I just wasn't yeah. it just felt off to me. It really felt off to me. Yeah, it, it's I wouldn't say it's out of character for her, but it's it but I can see her kind of one upping someone in that way, like being that kind of person because to her it's like Elliot has the answer to a problem mm. whereas she's got a problem that she can't fix yes so on the platform back on the platform the train arrives and Darlene and Elliot get on the train so we know that Angela's staying with her dad still in Jersey so she doesn't get on the train with them Darlene asks Elliot whether he remembers when they first started F Society now, I'm just going to take another quick pause there because remember I was telling you about the fever dream of Angela telling him he's a month old? Yeah. This is what I thought they were talking about, that F Society is about a month old, or it was mm. a month old at that time. Yeah, because, um, who was it? I think someone, one of them said about he's been a bit off for about three months. Mm-hmm. And we definitely there was a month between Shayla dying death. and continuing everything else. So I yeah. think like I feel the, the like passion time's a bit is, odd. I think what has happened is we've been introduced a month after stuff has started. Everything we've mm. watched has taken a month, and then from Shayla's death, there was obviously that month break. So I think that's yeah. the three months. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think it's been since F Society started i'm guessing that elliot kind of created this mr robot persona for a purpose at that point like there'd be a reason that he like created this i like created this character in his head like it wouldn't have just come out of nowhere but there's no kind of telling exactly just right now why he's created him um and that that's when the plans started getting set in motion, but it was more kind of Mr. Robot was the one driving all that. Yes. So what you're saying is that they would have had to have been a trigger. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. 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 But as you yeah. said earlier, Mr. Robot was saying, they're going to make you, they're going to take me away again or make you forget me again. Mm. 
So it's clearly, obviously they mentioned it's clearly not the first time Elliot's kind of had this strange psychotic, like these strange episodes. No. But obviously from Mr. Robot's perspective, these guys don't mention it, but from Mr. Robot's perspective, he's created, he's created another person in his mind. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, but by them saying, who do you think you've been talking to? I don't know if they're implying that it has been him thinking he's talking to someone in the past before. But it was somebody else, yeah. Mm. All very interesting. So we cut away from the train scene to Gideon, who arrives at the Evil Corp offices looking for Wellick. So remember, he's just found out that Wellick approved that request that he didn't make. And Gideon finds out that Wellick has been fired. We cut back to Angela getting back to her dad's house and Colby is at Angela's dad's house with a couple of men sitting in her dining area. Angela's dad excuses himself to let them talk and Colby says that he's there to offer her something that she wants. He tells the men that he's with to go away outside and tells Angela that he was impressed by her that she took a big risk, that it was just the wrong thing to want and looked into her employment at Allsafe. Found out that she's relentless and smart and thinks that he can land her a lucrative job at Evil Corp mm. despite the class action lawsuit. I just said class. I've been living in the North too long. Class <laughs> action. <laughs> it happens all the time. So... Obviously, there's the whole thing of like, hang on, there's a whole lawsuit thing. What's going on? At least they're going to be liable to pay about 75 to 100 million dollars. And Colby makes it very clear that that's not a lot of money to Evil Corp. And also they don't hold grudges. They started a rainy day fund. And, you know, at the time that the leak happened and the the dump, the, the whole waste dump had happened and it was all toxic and shit. They started a rainy day fund. And annoyingly, the fund has already made five times the amount, <laughs> which, oh my God, I think I paused here. If I remember correctly, I think I paused here because I was fuming. I was just like, this is exactly what they always do. <laughs> I was just so do you, mad. Do you think there's like a specific company that like E Corp is representing? Like, I, I would assume it's kind of like representing kind of like a multitude of these kind of high up companies. It um, has to be. I mean, it could be anyone. Like, it could be. It could be uh, Teflon, the company that's that started using Teflon hmm. in cookingware and stuff. It could be. I think apples are definite comparison. Company. Apples are definite comparison, along along with Amazon, I'd say as well. Yeah, um, but they don't. There isn't that toxic element of it. There is no, no. getting sick. Whereas yeah. like the Teflon scandal and all that kind of stuff, there were people actually got sick. Like oh, okay, the, right. Water crises, like people dumping stuff in local, um, hmm. you know, local communities' water and stuff like. There are actual cases that this literally could be any one of them because every single one, the company, the corporation was able to it took a long time to even get any kind Mm. of compensation for these families or any kind of you know acknowledgement of wrongdoing yeah and like and it had to go through the court system and also even after that the companies are still very much thriving now like i remember Mm. seeing that oh man check the description guys if you're listening to this i will google the film i'm talking about and about teflon and about this erin brockovich no, it's not. No, it's I mean, again, it could be one of those too. But no, yeah. I recently watched it a couple of months ago and I will put it in the description. But um, 
the company is still very much trading right now and they literally made so many people sick so many so when i say so many people like it is outrageous how many people were sick and died because the of devil the actual we know. use of teflon is that the name of it, devil we know I, I just quickly googled teflon and devil we know came up maybe about I need DuPont. To actually see it yeah so something about how dupont poisoned the world with teflon dupont yes yes yeah. yes and if you google them the actual company so it's not so DuPont still exists, but the actual, like, the multi-conglomerate corporation that was ultimately responsible for all the fuck shit that you see in this film, they are very much still a massive corporation right now. They've rebranded, they've changed their name slightly, and they're like, yeah. stock is high, and they're still worth billions and billions of dollars, and it is infuriating. Yeah, their revenue in 2019 was 21.57 billion. Just... You say, it's, like, it's, like, it's like you're saying, because Colby's saying about the uh, the money not being a lot in their eyes, just making me think of Apple in, the term, in the, like, the terms of they've got like trillions of dollars, but because they, they run their uh, taxes through a company that registered in, Dub in like Dublin, Ireland, so they barely pay any tax on their money, which is why they're such a big company. But they take such a, like all apps on there, they take like a 30% um, cut of what that app makes. Mm. Like, so apps are having app purchases, 30% of that money goes to Apple, which is why they're being sued by a company called Epic Games at the moment, because they're the people who made Fortnite. Yes. And they've essentially jumped up and gone, okay, this is ridiculous. Like, you're the only company that do this. So, like, a lot of other companies have kind of stood up with the fact that they, they've they got, like, one of the biggest, I guess, markets, but they're taking the biggest cut. Yeah. Yeah, but which I, I kind of get where they're coming from, but a company that's as big as Epic makes it kind of feel a little bit disingenuous because Fortnite makes absolute bank. And, like, they're on I so mean, many I, platforms. I feel... Because, like, Fortnite has also stolen a lot of black creators' dances and charged, mm. for, like, the skins mm. and stuff, but nobody who originated those dances has ever been paid. So mm. I don't feel bad for Epic Games <laughs> at all, but I understand the principle. It's mad, though, because it's like... By the way, the film I was talking about was is Dark Waters. That's the movie that I actually watched with Mark Ruffalo ah. in 2019. I would absolutely recommend, after you finish listening to this, go and find uh, Dark Waters and go watch it. It's very good. Um, it draws you in as a story. It talks about what really happened with the Teflon and how so many people were dying and, and getting ill. And there was just no... It, oh, man, it, it took such a toll to even get anywhere close to the truth. And at absolutely every turn, there was some, some fuckery that was happening. And the company is still very, very much going, as as we already said. It's just... Mm. Yeah, that's what came to my mind with that scene. The fact that they'd set up a rainy day fund when they knew that that waste dump was going to be toxic and was going to cause deaths. They set up a rainy day fund in case people find out. And that rainy day fund has made five times the amount of any class action lawsuit that they would have to pay out on. So they mm. still made money. Not only did they make money, not only did they make profits, but they made money on top of that for setting aside a rainy day fund 
in case people found out that they caused deaths. Like, that's just not... Man, listen, I hate capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) The older I get, the more I'm just like, fucking hell. Capitalism Mm. is the pit of... Like, we're literally in hell. We are in the Mm. bad place. It's it's like with like a show like this. Obviously, I watched it like uh, at least six years ago when it originally came out, and I was oh god, am I old? Uh, Twenty four at that point. So at that point, Lol, I was like, hilarious. Uh, Did you just ah, call whatever. yourself old? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a tiny, a tiny little bit. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I I was. I was younger then. I was younger, and I, <laughs> I, I kind of didn't really take much notice of these kind of like the consumerism or anything like that. And as I, as I've gotten older and I started paying rent, I realised how shitty like some of these things can be, like for definite, like especially for like working for like a big big companies that I have in the past where I've been like the profit margin on this is ridiculous. Man. Like it's insane. Like I could sell. I won't name the company that I work for, but like, I could sell one of their products and the company, like it's the company I work for, the franchise. So we could sell one of their products that could cost a grand and we'd make £70 on it, if that. Not even surprising, man. The mm. more you live, the more you like, and it depends on your, obviously on your motivations as well as mm. a person, but the more that you see, it's like, I start to kind of admonish the younger me of, being a bit of a capitalist and and mm. thinking that capitalism made sense because I mean I think it helps me have empathy for people who still feel that way now to some extent but I do very much realize that it's always rooted at least in my experience when you kind of side with capitalism or side mm. with billionaires and and shit like that it's more so that you think you're ever going to have the opportunity to be one of them. Does that make Mm. sense? Like that you're ever going to be part of that exclusive club and that you know that you just want your shot at getting to it. Mm. If that even makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty much impossible. Like a lot of these people got where they are because their family already had money. Their family earned money in a time where money like, if you, if you like add the like in, like adjust for inflation like mm. they have more money already than you would ever have in your life you know like they they tackled the market early that you can't break into no nah. it's like it's like if you try to become a big youtuber now you've got to set yourself apart from millions of people which is almost impossible to be unique doing that kind of thing like coming out of a genuine good idea is difficult because you've got to set yourself apart from all the people who have similar ideas. But that's not even the thing I'm I'm mad at. Like in terms hmm. of that to me is competition. Yeah. That to yeah. me drives drives creativity forward, right? When yeah. you're having yeah. to compete with people. My issue with capitalism is that you can't compete with them. I can't I can compete with if I was a YouTuber, I can compete with another YouTuber. I can't compete with YouTube. No. Right? And like the fact that, that competition is the only way that this all works. We all have to share this space together. And so if we have it in a way that 
because I think people assume that anyone that's kind of against capitalism in its current form, every everyone assumes that you don't you don't like the idea of wealth or people building wealth. Mm. I love the idea of people building wealth. I love the idea of generational wealth. I love all of that. The hoarding of wealth is my issue. <laughs> like mm. the people that already have billions on top of billions, making it impossible for the average person to even get to millions, is a problem. Mm. People that have so much money that their ancestors will never be broke being the only ones making the decisions for absolutely everybody that is what i have the problem with corporations mm. getting away with this type of shit on a daily basis and still being worth tens and um, hundreds of depending on which one you're talking about of billions of dollars is unacceptable mm. But in our society and the way that it's structured and with our consumerism, it's like we're supposed to just get over that and just be fine with it because maybe one day we'll grow up and be rich. It, it's it's like going back to YouTube as an example. It's like as well, these companies that you think are going to be on your side can turn on you like nothing. It's like um, YouTube copyright laws, things like that. It's, it's like There's a YouTuber I was watching. He had this um, ending song for the outro to his videos he'd been using it for at least seven years and then one day youtube went copyright claim so all of his videos got demonetized so he never he didn't make any money from any of his videos anymore so he had to go back through each individual video replace like the ending track with like whatever their generic music on the built-in editor is and because of how he had to do it, it also meant that the intro music cuts in before the video ends so it, it like cuts over him as he's talking but the bands that made the song expressly gave him permission to use it. But their label is the one that claimed it. So as soon as the label went, that's ours, the company that supported him for so long just goes, that's theirs. You can no longer make money on this. And it's mad because demonetizing a video doesn't mean that ads don't get mm. played on it. It just means the creator doesn't get any kind of 1% yeah. share of it or whatever. YouTube still mm. makes money off that though. Yeah. Which is like, if you're saying that you he can't make any money off it, then you shouldn't make any money off it. Take yeah, ads exactly. off it 100%, but you're not going to do that. Because it's not about the people. It's not about ownership. It is about hoarding. It's about hoarding money. That's mm. all it ever is. And that's what's just, we just need a reset, man. We really desperately need a reset. But anyway, I knew I'd end up ranting about this because <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> it's, it's a prominent theme. Like it's, it's on topic, at least. Man, it is on topic for sure. We definitely didn't veer off. So back in, uh, back in Angela's dad's kitchen. So yeah, Colby offers her this job, basically. And Angela, Angela asks him to leave. She says that I'm not working there. They killed her mum. And then Colby goes into it. To be fair, this was one bit I was like, you know what? He's got a slight point here. I'll give you a tiny bit where he says that um, every fast food joint delivers diabetes to millions of people. Everyone's destroying the planet to a point of no return. If you want to change things, try doing so from within. And gives her a deadline and says that he needs to know by tomorrow and leaves. We cut to Elliot's place and Darlene is trying to get Elliot to take his meds. Elliot says that maybe they should stop the hack because it wasn't really him the whole time. Darlene says the reasons that they had for doing it are real and that this was his plan. Elliot then asks us, the observer, what we would do in his shoes. He's crazy but the plan isn't. 
Wellick shows up and says that he's been waiting outside till Darnley left and knows that Elliot is behind all of it. He's the one constant in a sea of variables. Just a quick stop there. That's the bit that irritates me as well because if Wellick was in the car with Mr. Robot talking about knowing his dirty little secret, then that means that Elliot Elliot was the one in the car, right? Yeah, but I think at this moment, because they're all they're still two separate entities, so I don't think Elliot is fully aware of like Mr. Robot's dealings. Yes, but that makes sense from Elliot's point of view, but then why mm. does Tyrell make a point of saying in this scene that Elliot is behind all of it and that he's the one constant in a sea of variables? He should already know that. He said he knows his dirty little secret, unless he was referring to another secret that we're not privy to. I think I think it. Nope, I had a thought and it's gone. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I I don't know if it's more. I think it might be like referring to like maybe the honeypot kind of situation. But I was, no, he's already told him that he knows that, didn't he? he already, yeah. already, they've already spoken about that. Yeah. And unless it was just kind of hinting towards the twist with kind of no no way from there. I'm not entirely certain on that one it's a it's it's a weird one right that threw me off a little bit so yeah it's gonna be over my head on that one anyway wellick admits to elliot uh, because he's trying to find out the plan he's trying to find out the rest of the Mm. plan from elliot so he reveals to him that he just strangled a woman to death two days ago and he puts on the same type of gloves that he had put on in an earlier episode before beating that homeless man and that moment of power after taking a life stayed with him, he told Elliot. He doesn't feel guilty for being a murderer. He feels wonder. Again, mm. I've been saying from episode one, creepy, creepy man. Mm. So we cut to Elliot. This is now the final scene. Elliot and Wellick. They are walking into the arcade where, you know, F Society meets. Elliot tells Tyrell the plan. Sorry, I always cut between calling Wellick, Wellick or Tyrell. It just, I don't know why. I can't seem to just pick one and stick to it. But I'm talking about the same person in case you're confused. So Elliot tells Tyrell the plan and says that it was just him involved though. He doesn't talk about F Society's other team members. Tyrell says, now it's you and me. I told you we'd end up working together. Which takes us back to that first little line when they met in episode one. And that is how episode nine ends. We have one more before the season ends. Did you have any quick thoughts on nine before we move on to ten, Nathan? So obviously there's that little bit at the end where Elliot glanced over the popcorn machine. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I. you did just mention that, didn't you? Of him being in the arcade, yeah, the popcorn machine yeah. does go off in that scene. Yeah, so so he he la- he glanced over the popcorn machine. Obviously, one thing to bear in mind is that's where Darlene has stashed that gun she stole. <gasps> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so Darlene stole the gun from that rich guy. Which, if that's a hotel, he has a safe in there. So I'm assuming it is just a penthouse yes. apartment. He's the kind of guy who's probably got like like one of those apartments he never uses. He just uses it for like. If he brings a girl back in secret. Yeah, that's like a regular suite or something. Yeah. Um, So she hid the gun in there that she did try to give to Elliot, but he chose not to take it. Oh, Um, my God. I totally missed that. The only thing is, I don't remember Elliot seeing that. 
But I feel like Mr. Robot was still in the room. So maybe Elliot didn't quite leave the room. It was a confusing one. I wasn't too sure if Elliot had actually seen him put the gun, seen her put the gun in there. Because I thought she did it after he left. So I'm a bit, bit confused on that one. But that's where Darling's gun is. So that's why he kind of looks... Well, obviously the popcorn machine goes off, which is why he looks towards it. So it's kind of... It's it's a double thing of like, is he looking towards it because of that or because the gun is in there? Man, that's a great spot. That went right above my head. That was a great spot. All right, so we are at the final episode of season one where it all leads to. So the opening scene is Krista. She does come back. Yeah, I was trying not to spoil that say like, oh, she's back in episode I forgot 10. about this bit. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be honest, when we were talking about it before, I forgot about this bit. So, Krista, the therapist, is meeting up with Michael Hansen. If you remember, Michael Hansen was a guy that she briefly dated, who Elliot hacked, who ended up being married and liked a bunch of escorts. Elliot hacked him and threatened to expose him and stole his dog. Flipper. <laughs> so... Krista and Michael Hansen are meeting up at the uh, the restaurant that they met up before. It's an outside restaurant. Michael Hansen tells Krista that his real name is Lenny. And Krista asks how advanced it is. Lenny then says, actually, he's not dying. And tells her that one of his patients, ha- one of her patients, sorry, named Elliot. Wait, how have I written this? Tells her one of his patients hacked Elliot Alderson. Yeah, I wrote it funny. But basically what Lenny says to Krista is that one of her patients named Elliot Alderson had hacked him and that Lenny has gone to the police about it already. The cybercrime division is looking into it and have been trying to track Elliot down for about six weeks. They found out who he was when his dog's microchip pinged at a vet's. That's a, a scene from a couple of episodes ago. So... Lenny's wife left him anyway, even though Elliot didn't actually reveal who he was and because of the fact that Lenny told Krista and broke up with her. So Lenny's wife left him anyway after the Ashley Madison data dumps. Again, calling back to real events because that was a real thing that happened. Yeah, so the episode aired, um, I think, very, very quickly after that because I remember looking into this when they, when they said about it originally um so just to give you a heads up on that bit that's not something they wrote really far in advance and got lucky they dubbed that in just before the show went to air oh wow yeah okay so so it's highly likely then white rose might have been written possibly in mind i don't think white rose so much was but that bit because he's off screen when he says ashley madison so he could have easily just had like him come back in record a voiceover really quickly to say it right um like when just doing like adr on the show yeah um so he like he probably they like they kind of wrote it in because it kind of worked plus they also mentioned ashley madison earlier in the season so i think oh, it kind they? of worked a bit in their favor yeah um oh, they, it's in episode one i'm pretty sure it gets briefly mentioned damn all these notes i took and i still didn't catch everything how wow 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 Lenny's wife left him anyway after the Ashley Madison data dumps. So he confessed to Krista for nothing, Lenny says. So 
He needs Krista's help because the Computer Abuse and Fraud Act is tough to prosecute. Again, I think that's a real act. Hmm. He says that it requires a lot of evidence and that Elliot's really good and was using proxies in Estonia, so there's no way to trace it back to him. Lenny wants Krista to diverge something from his therapy sessions and Krista lies and says that Elliot never told her anything and she can't help him. Which, yes, Krista. <laughs> Big yeah, fan. It goes back to the earlier thing I was saying about where like people have this kind of fascination with Elliot. Mm-hmm. Is it her fascination with him or is it just the fact that it's the first time he's opened up really to another person that she wants to protect him? Could but be also both. the person that she's dealing with that mm. wants to take him down. I think she kind of realizes that what he did, while unethical, was for a good purpose. Kind of like what Elliot's dad said in the shop mm. in 1994 You're a good person. What you did was wrong, but you're a good person, and he's a prick. Mm. And Elliot's a good person. What he did was wrong, but Lenny is absolutely a prick. Oh, he's an absolute bellend, yeah. So then we cut to Lenny getting home, and because we talk about Easter eggs, there are Easter eggs absolutely everywhere. Lenny gets home, turns on the TV, and there's a news report about global attacks. Stock markets are taking a turn. 17 governments around the world are in large-scale crises and are about to collapse, one of which is Estonia. He just talked about proxies Mm. in Estonia. So... I mean, they just tie things in lovely. Just wrap that up yeah. with a nice little bow for us. It's beautiful. We cut to Elliot, who wakes up in Tyrell Wellick's car alone, confused, and he asks a random man where he is. The man says that he owes him parking money and that the credit card systems are currently down, so he needs to pay him in cash. We cut to Angela, who is at Evil Corp and has clearly taken the job that Terry Colby offered her back in her dad's kitchen. We cut back to Elliot, who turns up at the arcade and F Society, the team, are freaking out. They are saying that uh, they were supposed to execute this together. Elliot asks them what's happened. Apparently he's been gone for three days and people are talking about wanting to join F Society. The masses love it. Elliot goes through articles about it and sees that the attack was lethal and a joint effort with China's data centre. Remember earlier I told you that China's data centre and the Dark Army are one and the same. Mm. Darlene asks if he's seen Mr. Robot and Elliot tells us he hasn't but needs to. Wait, I'm confused. Did that really happen or have I written notes in weird? Say it again, sorry. So Darlene asks if Elliot has seen Mr. Robot and Elliot tells us that he hasn't, but he needs to. Why would Darlene ask him that? Hmm. Or maybe it's just kind of checking to see if he's still, if he's like... Seeing their dad. Yeah, if if he's still having these hallucinations, because obviously at this point he's been gone for three days. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. Hmm. I just confused myself there, but it's as if this show isn't confusing enough. Okay, we cut to All Safe, and the CFO tells Gideon that he needs to shut down the company. She tells him that if what people are saying is true about F Society, Gideon won't have any debt soon. So, they did it. 
Mm. Which is amazing. Elliot is now at Evil Corp looking for Tyrell Wellick and tells us that it isn't what he thought a revolution would look like. And it he looks around, he pans around, and it says that it's people in expensive clothes running around. Elliot finds out that Tyrell doesn't work there anymore and the F Society video that's playing is telling people that F Society has erased everyone's debt. We have delivered on our promise as expected. The people of the world who have been enslaved by you have been freed. Your financial data has been destroyed. Any attempts to salvage it will be utterly futile. Face it, you have been owned. We at F-Society will smile as we watch you and your dark souls die. That means any money you owe these pigs has been forgiven by us, your friends at F-Society. The market's opening bell this morning will be the final death knell of Evil Corp. We hope as a new society rises from the ashes, that you will forge a better world. A world that values a free people. A world where greed is not encouraged. A world that belongs to us again. A world changed forever. And while you do that, remember to repeat these words. We are F society. We are finally free. We are finally awake! We cut to Times Square that's filled with protesters wearing the F Society mask. And I really would be one of those people that would be out in one of these masks if all debt was cancelled. Um, because I have a lot of student loans. <laughs> <laughs> I have student debt, so that would be nice. Uh, it's like amazing. student debt's one of the most ridiculous ones as well because like you have um, to be earning a certain amount to be able to start paying it off so like in the last i finished uni in 2015 um and in the last six years of just solidly working retail jobs i've only ever earned enough one month to pay off eight pound of a student loan yeah the student loan thing is is a ball ache because it's just a forever mm. debt isn't it it's a forever debt, but also it just continues to build up. And I did four years at uni and I could have done three, but I wanted a study year abroad. But now I'm looking at it like, oh, <laughs> did I really need to add that extra year? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have to pay tuition fees for that year because it was part of the Erasmus scheme, but still. Yeah, which, I mean, they well, they got rid of that now, haven't they, the yep. Erasmus scheme? Thanks to Brexit and it's gone mm. now. I feel so bad. That's one thing I really feel bad for students. That was such an amazing experience to be mm. part of. And the fact that students now can no longer do something like that or be part of something like that with part of it being funded by the British Council to make mm. shit a little bit easier for you when you move to a whole new country is such a shame. Because that, that was such an amazing experience. I wish that every student could experience it. Like a big, a big part of uni is kind of moving out of your comfort zone, yeah. like to a completely different city. You're kind of a little bit out of your depth, but you've built like a little bit of network of people through like Facebook groups or whatever. So you know some people there. And like then that next step is Erasmus, where you can be, where you can just kind of just go somewhere completely different, learn something completely new. 
and just for it to be taken away from people is just ridiculous. All for the sake of a thing that didn't even matter. It wasn't even yeah. a thing that needed to happen. It was just that the right people at the right time managed mm. to stoke the right fires. It was just like, oh, man. Anyway, back to Mr. Robot. Back to Mr. Robot. The F Society hackers go to a kill shelter to use the crematory uh, oven to incinerate their drives. And they let the dogs out when they're done, which I was very, very happy about. Because fuck kill shelters. Yeah. We cut to Elliot, who has now gone to Tyrell's house. And outside, he runs into Joanna and the baby. She asks who he is. And Elliot says they work together. And that... um, Oh no, I mean, she then I think tells you skipped him, a line there. Huh? I think you skipped a line there for a second. No, I think so I think what okay, I'm trying to She asks how he knows she asks how he knows how he knows Tyrell and he says they work together and his name's Ollie. Oh no. yes. Yeah, he lies and No no no, hold on. No, that happened after. So she oh. says, <laughs> Who are you? And Elliot says that he works with Tyrell. She then says to him, he'll be home soon. You're welcome to come inside and wait. At that point, I think he, she then says, what do you do together or something like that? And then he, he says that his name is Ollie, I think. And then he gets the feeling that she's lying about him, about Tyrell coming home soon. Yeah. As she starts, like, she's going in with a bunch of questions. She's, like, going in and going in trying to find out more details. Yeah, because she mentions, like, how long ago she spoke to him as well. Yeah, think, so Joanna says... he says seen him for, like, three days. Three days, exactly. Joanna says that she's concerned about Tyrell and asks whether he was acting strange when he last saw him and then says that he vanished three days ago. And she says she that she then... got off the phone with him, like, not too long ago either. Exactly. Like, oh, he'll be home soon. I just spoke to him. Oh, I haven't seen him for three days. And that's like kind of sets Elliot off a bit like, oh, shit. Now, I was already suspicious in this scene, but then she starts speaking to Elliot in Swedish and seems disappointed that Elliot doesn't understand what she's saying. Mm. At this point, I told you I was paranoid before, right? I'm always questioning what's happening. What am I supposed to get? What's the plot? What's the twist? Mm. What's going on? I was like, surely they're not going to try and tell me that Tyro and Elliot are the same person. There is no way. Mm, I, th- I think there's enough ev- evidence to dispute it because it, it... There is so much evidence to dispute, yeah. dispute it. The fact that I know that when they have Mr. Robot and Elliot in the same room, right, that that's possible, that people could interact with Mr. Robot when really they're interacting with, with Elliot, right? Yeah. I know that that can happen in a room. But there's certainly no mention of that person. And Ooh. there has been mention of Tyrell Wellick becoming the interim CTO of Evil Corp. Mm. There's no way that he could be named the the interim CTO and Gideon not know that Elliot has been named the interim CTO while also working at Allsafe. That doesn't make sense. So I know they're not the same person from that. And I don't think you can convince me otherwise. But this scene where she looks at him all weird and then speaks to him in Swedish, fucked with my head. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I was Um, so annoyed because I was like, don't try and tell me they're the same person. I won't have it. This is actually an interesting thing about I found out from kind of researching um, a little bit stuff. She's actually speaking Danish. So when they have a conversation, he's Swedish, she's Danish. 
but the languages are close enough that if you kind of oh. like you could kind of figure it out from there like if you were a Swedish person you could learn Danish quite quickly and vice versa okay um she threatens him so she says if you've done something to him I will kill you in Danish oh but then how would Elliot know do you know what I'm not I'm not doing this because I'm going to watch season two <laughs> very soon. I'm literally going to probably watch it tonight, I've got to be honest, because I'm just... I need to know what happened here. And I've been holding off for, uh, over a week. <laughs> so, where am I at? Yeah, so I was very irritated by that point, but we move away to Evil Corp offices and Angela's new boss, James Plouffe. Hilarious surname. Not hilarious what happens but anyway yeah. james Plouffe, <laughs> james Plouffe is on a call with a new show and before in a scene before he's like he constantly makes sure that he's like yelling at angela to make sure that his bag is near him which why would you need your bag on a new show mm. well i'll tell you so james Plouffe is on this new show uh virtual virtually and the interviewer says that almost 400 billion dollars of wealth has been lost today a source has said that if F society, if what F society say it's true, none of their data can ever be recovered. And James Plouffe effectively breaks down from the company line and says that, yes, the public should be worried. His whole life is with the company, including his pension, and it's all gone. No one in the engineering team knows how to fix it. The only thing they do know for certain is that this will be impossible to fix. He then goes to that bag that he made sure was next to him, gets a gun out and kills himself live on TV. A couple of thoughts. I have a couple as well. You go first. Okay. So my first one is, wow, that was graphic. Hmm. Didn't expect that. That was the first thing. The second thing is it's very interesting with a show like this that always links into what's really happening in like in real life, right? And yeah. it links into stories that have happened. Not to say that this has happened, but it was very reminiscent of, we haven't had this kind of revolution, but it was very, very reminiscent of Wall Street bankers with the recession. yeah. yeah. So when the 2007-2008 financial crisis happened, there was a lot of like, holy shit, the world is ending. It was that deep. And Wall Street bankers lost their minds. And it was very, very reminiscent of that. It was very reminiscent of what we've known of previous recessions. It was very reminiscent of the Great Depression, the like history that we learned about that. Obviously there's no footage and stuff of that, but like there's always been this kind of narrative that the people that are involved, like the people that are the bankers and, and involved in these situations. Obviously in this case he's just involved with Evil Corp. Mm. But the people that are involved in these in these corporations that crumble in some way, it affects them personally too. And it affects them so madly. And we hear about it in the news a lot. We hear about them jumping yeah. out of windows. We hear about them, you know, committing suicides and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, holy shit. To actually see it like this, though, was very... It gave it gave Black Mirror. That's what this whole scene did for me. Mm. What, were your, what were your thoughts? So, 
again it was part of like kind of the research into things because i was watching the show i think i caught up on the show by about episode eight and then episode nine and ten i watched as they went out mm-hmm. um so that scene actually got the show delayed a week because um when that happened um there was that shooting of the news crew in virginia do you remember oh yes yeah. So because of that, they delayed this by a week because, again, graphic yeah. ac- actual events happening at the same time. Mm. Um, but also his suicide is based on a real thing that happened as well, well funnily enough. It was based on the suicide of Bud Dwyer. So he, let me just double check this real quick because I, I know his name, but I can't remember exactly why he killed himself. Yeah, that name sounds um, familiar, but I, I can't remember yeah, who that so, is. He was like the first person to commit suicide on live TV. So he was like um, a politician in Pennsylvania. And like the, it was broadcast live and everything. And he, there was like a press conference going on. They pulled a gun and um, he shot himself through the roof of the mouth the same as that. And literally, I, I saw the video once out of like that kind of morbid curiosity thing. And the video literally is exactly the same as that, like the blood, like the blood out the nose, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So like it was like broadcast live and everything. But I cannot remember exactly why he did it. I don't think it was a. It was something about the criminal justice system. I don't think it was a Wall Street based thing. Um, there's no kind of cliff notes about him, to be honest. Um. Uh, I feel weird googling like stuff like this. You're definitely going to end up on yeah. a list for a little bit. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there no just like real quick summing up? There's not a quick summing up, but if anybody wants to look into it, Bud Dwyer is the name. He's a man who killed himself on live television in America, and his suicide essentially is kind of like the inspiration, which sounds horrible to say out loud. For how, yeah. how they showed that on t- on like the show itself like it's literally exactly like that so oh like it's God. another one inspired by like real events of someone who i guess kind of got to their lowest ebb pretty much yeah. that kind of idea um but obviously there's no i don't quite remember exactly what happened but yeah so the episode was still like i kind of had it's a weird thing with this show, like especially this season. I don't remember it recalling with any other future seasons, but this one going kind of got not mad, but it got quite weirdly coincidental with events going on. So like you had the Ashley Madison, you had this Virginia shooting, you had well the Bud Dwyer thing was it was like it was based upon, but you had those kind of like instances happening. Caitlin Jenner as well, as we said. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, that that's my general thoughts is that that's um that suicide scene is based on a real thing that happened and the Virginia shoot like news crew shooting delayed it as well. That is mad. That is absolutely mad. Mm. Well, after this horrific event, <laughs> the CEO Philip remember I shouldn't laugh at that, sorry. It is like a no. It's very kind of morbid thing to talk about, wasn't it? Just no. It's it's like a nervous laugh, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you even? How do you transition from that? Mm, How do you talk about? How do you knowing what you've seen as well? It's just like it's oh Mm. man, it's mad. So, Philip, the CEO of Evil Corp, talks to Angela after this and says, 
you know he understands what she went through was traumatic she's free to go home and recover but then turns around and says you're terry's reference right talking about terry colby and he says i rarely see him impressed with anyone i look forward to you impressing me then asks her to attend a press conference that he's holding later on in the afternoon even though he just told, told her to go home and recover she says no and he responds that the invitation is open if she changes her mind and looks down at her shoes then puts money on the table telling her that she needs new shoes as the ones that she's wearing won't do anymore at this point i suspect that he's not being an elitist and it's more so that she probably has james plus blood on her shoes even though we don't see it We cut back to Elliot, who is at uh, Wellick's car. So he's at Tyrell's car that's parked in that random spot, searching for a clue as to where he or Mr. Robot are. He finds a pair of sunglasses with a hidden USB component and starts yelling, come out, come out, I need to know what happened. At F Society's arcade, Darlene has printed some flyers out and it's for the end of the world party for the team to disperse and we cut back to Elliot who's now at an internet cafe. He plugs in the USB and he says, or he tells us, the observer, that he knows the password, which means I know the password. I think he's when he says he is talking about Mr. Robot. A video starts playing from the boardwalk where we saw Mr. Robot push Elliot a few episodes ago, or several episodes ago now. But the video shows that he was actually sat there alone and fell off, or I guess jumped off, threw himself off. Very weird. But he threatens... Here's the thing, right? He's effectively threatening himself at this point, but he's threatening to turn himself in And, of course, gets the desired result, Mr. Robot shows himself. He, like, picks up the phone, doesn't he? Like, acting like he's going to dial 911. But it's like, who are you? Who are you threatening? You're threatening yourself. But anyway, you know what? I'm not even going to... Yeah, I quite like that scene as well, because he literally, like, like, picks up the phone. I want to make a confession. And, like, literally the hand just comes out and hangs up. Like, it's so beautifully framed, that bit. Just, like, Mr. Robot's hand coming into frame, like, hanging up the phone and everything and then the conversation just starts from there Mm -hmm. but we do cut away briefly from the internet cafe we do come back but we go to angela at the shoe store i hated this scene i hated it i hated Mm. it i hated it oh it made me feel sick so the person that is helping her who's a member of the staff he looks at her shoes the the now that we know it's definitely blood on her shoes because he says was this from the guy He's completely shocked that she's just witnessed this horrific suicide and is now here just buying new shoes the same day. And basically says that it's pretty cold and asks her how she could be working there. Angela effectively starts defending Evil Corp and has basically just become one of them. They are. But I'm not sure that he knew what he was saying. You sound just like them. Have some moral fiber and leave their asses. Their practices are well documented and it's all despicable. Listen, this isn't my business, but don't drink their Kool-Aid. Look, I just needed a job. What kind of an excuse is that? You don't understand. You should hear yourself. I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I'll try the Pradas next. Like, she's just 
turned into the like in that moment i honestly i was just like but when we were talking a little bit ago about you know a couple i think an episode ago and you were talking about her basically being quite selfish I didn't really notice that pattern as I was watching it. But as you say that, of course, it makes sense that she would just so easily become. I I think part of it as well is um, kind of reacting to to trauma, kind of like obviously seeing something like that is traumatic. You don't know how you're going to respond to that kind of things like her acting quite cold is potentially like a coping mechanism for something so horrific. But it's kind of also a little bit in line with her character like kind of yeah as in it makes sense that that would be her trauma response yeah yeah absolutely agreed back at the internet cafe elliot draws attention to himself by choking and yelling at himself as it appears to everybody in the cafe but of course he thinks he's dealing with mr robot the frame of him choking himself against the wall is like like, hilarious it, it's honestly I, like every time i see it i just i i, I laugh so much because it's just so it's so silly because it's not what i expected but like the fact that that's the reality of like any interaction he has with mr robot is just kind of that idea it is very very funny to see that at episode 10 because yeah. instantly it makes you think about every interaction that they had together and any time they may have been physical with each other because that's what it must have looked like to everybody the mm. whole time. While we were watching it from Elliot's perspective, that's what it must have looked like. And it just, it kind of puts, it almost does that, the very kind of like movie-esque flashback. It puts that into your mind as a viewer straight away. Yeah. Which is, again, fantastic writing, incredible writing. So, yeah, so he's basically choking himself, he's yelling at himself, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, according to what everyone else can see in the cafe. But we know that in Elliot's mind, he is beefing with Mr. Robot. So he's trying to get info on Tyrell from Mr. Robot. And Mr. Robot says that Elliot forgets that he is him. So that if he knows where Tyrell is, Elliot will know too. To prove this point further, Mr. Robot walks up to a random guy and says that he slept with his mum. The guy punches him and it's Elliot that falls to the floor. Mr. Robot then appears above Elliot while he's on the floor and says that you're losing it. You're supposed to be the prophet. No, sorry, he's supposed to be the prophet and Elliot's supposed to be his god. Love that framing. Love those. Love that wording, which is just great. Because clearly in in what we've been seeing during this period of, of Elliot's sort of mental health, it's been Mr. Robot guiding everything. But Mr. Robot's trying to make it clear that you're, you're God, I'm just a prophet. Mm. So this is all your plan. This is what you're supposed to be masterminding. Stop trying to look to me as if I'm the mastermind, basically. Yeah. Like, he, he's just kind of, like, the messenger, yeah. almost, for, like, a plan that Elliot has been making but hasn't been... We haven't seen him making. Like, he's a driving force behind it all, but he is. Mr. Robot is kind of, like, the enforcer to make sure he gets there. And not only is it a reminder to him, it's a reminder to us, because, remember, when we're very, very first introduced to Elliot at the start, 
he tells us that he dreams of saving the world. He dreams of changing the world and changing how things are done. And mm. this is Elliot's plan and Elliot needs to basically wake up and realise that this is all part of his plan. Yeah. So at the press conference, Angela decides to show up and asks why the CEO, Philip, is so confident. Obviously, you know, the world's crumbling. They've lost $400 billion just that day alone. Why is he so confident right now? And Philip says that people did this. Aliens didn't invade the planet. Zeus didn't come down from the heavens. Zombies haven't risen. It was just people. He says that he has one of the largest conglomerates behind him so matters like this will crack under that weight Angela then asks why her why has she been chosen for this he knows who she is and why is he letting her actually be there Philip says that he finds her refreshing she's young she's bold and exactly what they need right now and Philip says that he's glad that her boss killed himself wild Talks about how that the the previous boss isn't, you know, he wasn't a very good person. He had a gambling problem. He drank too much. He was weak. He had bad instincts. And the world is better off. Philip says all of this and even says that his family would benefit from this and then walks up onto that podium to give his speech and is calling James all types of brave dear friend. Which, do you understand the level of dastardly that Philip <laughs> is? Do you understand yeah. how insane this man is? very much it's the same with like the whole the whole people having like kind of public faces and then they're like not so public faces and this is the bit i was referencing before i don't understand why philip is letting her see the real him these are glimpses of the real him mm. that he doesn't show to people why is he letting angela see it She's been an enemy right now, right? She's got yeah. this class um, class action suit started. So why is why is it why her? And I know he told her he finds her interesting, bold, blah blah blah. blah but there's got to be something, and I'm sure it will be revealed in other seasons. Yeah. But yeah. Back to this season and back to this episode, we cut to the end of the world party that's being thrown at the arcade. There are lots of people that have shown up. And Darlene basically makes it very clear that there's no reason to worry about F Society's fingerprints at the arcade. And I thought it was a very nice touch that they were playing ODB Got Your Money. Mm. Which, fantastic, of course. Whoever, whoever's doing the music behind the series as well is like absolutely nailing it. Spot on. Mm. Like they've they done, they like in later series as well, they do some absolutely incredible things with like the soundtrack behind the show. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's incredible work. Yes. So we cut to Times Square and Elliot is still trying to figure out what Mr. Robot knows. And he's in the middle of a protest right now because obviously there are all these people out celebrating with the um, with the F Society mask on. Elliot's clearly having a breakdown. His mum and younger self show up. Uh, Mr. Robot goes on a rant at how, like, you know, we haven't lived in a real society since the turn of the century. This was fantastic scene, fantastic, fantastic mm. scene. He talks about synthetic emotions in the form of pills, psychological warfare in the form of advertising, mind-altering chemicals in the form of food, brainwashing seminars in the form of media, controlled, isolated bubbles in the form of social networks. When I tell you that speech, I replayed it so mm. much 
just it's... the writing i know i've said it all last episode and all this episode mm. <laughs> the writing is impeccable on this show I think something Unmatched. we we don't give like the acting enough credit as well. I've 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 kind of want to rem- remedy that really quickly because Christian True. Slater is fantastic in this. He's like he's that kind of perfect mix between being like on the outside he looks like an absolute like just sleazy guy, mm-hmm. like fully does. But he's like this intelligent but very cold person. That that speech is like a testament to that. Rami Malek is all like Malik. Yeah. Malik, isn't it? Yeah. Malik. Like, yeah. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Um, I can't remember who plays Darlene, but she's incredible. Like she there's, there's not there's not a bad actor in like in like out of any of them, like at all. Like all of them are fantastic. Absolutely. No one's nailing. letting the team down, are they? No. Nobody's not at dropping all. the ball. Yeah. After that fantastic speech, I mean the protesting chants are the protesters' chants are getting louder and louder and louder, and then Elliot just says he needs to be alone suddenly looks up and Times Square is empty. Elliot's walking around this very, very empty and creepy looking Times Square with the ads still rolling, but there's not a single soul in sight. You start to hear waves and seagulls and Mr. Robot, his mum and a young Elliot appear on one of the screens. Mr. Robot says that Elliot begged them to come. He needed them. Elliot says he doesn't know what to do and Mr. Robot tells him that what they did was a good thing and that he needs to do what he says. People start to reappear as Mr. Robot guides him home to look at the news and see what they've done. All of a sudden there's, you know, clips of like world leaders and protesters and all sorts of very real clips sort of woven in and and framed in a way that makes it seem like this global event has happened, which again, brilliant. We saw literally all of the massive world leader players on the screen which was great and just made it seem even more real so we are at the final scene of this season there are knocks at the door and Elliot opens and the screen goes black and there are credits there is a post credit screen um, showing a limo pulling up to a mansion with uh, White Rose who's now male presenting He enters, I'm going to refer to him as he now, because he's now presenting here. And I hope that that doesn't cause offence. So he enters the mansion where there is a fancy party that is taking place and grabs a drink and sits with the evil corp CEO, Philip. He says that he knows the person responsible and will handle that person as they usually do White Rose talks about the Emperor watching Rome burn. You seem a little preoccupied yourself. I don't believe in preoccupation. (laughs) It's more of an observation. Which is? The infamous Emperor Nero played an instrument very similar to the one she's playing, the lyre. Legend has it that he played it merrily as he watched. As he watched? As he watched Rome burn. And that is the end of season one of Mr. Robot. Nathan, final thoughts on this show, or at least the first season. Don't spoil anything. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so I mean, that's why I think like it sets up a lot of stuff. It's it's a bold show that like kind of holds no punches at all. It's different. Like it's 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 unlike anything I've seen. It's just so unique in its confidence in like what it does and like its confidence to just do things differently. Like from the cinematography point of view, especially where you've got this like massive use of in every, almost every shot, the massive use of negative space. Cause like with a, with like filming anything, obviously you put the person in the center frame. This is just like, you put them in the lower, lower like corner, you know, and it really builds like a sense of an uncomfortable feeling for definite. And then like writing wise, there's just so much packed in like, every, like, it, like I've said it before, like every scene, is important there's no middling there's no kind of there's there's no nothing wasted not a single like minute of the show is wasted on just a funny moment or just like something that the writer just wanted to show off a little bit the director wanted to show off a little bit it's it's all perfectly tightly written no no fluff or anything it's just it's just so bold but it has like a real message which on the outside from the first episode you think ankist hackers it's going to be something that's like it's not going to have like a real message it's going to be a bit you know it's going it's going to have like that kind of i guess watered down kind of punk feel i'm trying to think of an example and i can't off the top of my head um, but as you get into it, you kind of you you see you feel yourself really really agreeing with the messages that they they're giving in there about how like the, the global debt is like bad, like the capitalism itself is not it, it's it's just not right. Like they they there's such bold messages in there. Like it, it's it, it's not just a show that's there just to entertain. It's a show that's there to also deliver a really powerful message. I mean, literally everything you said. Mm. Everything you said I agree with. The only thing I would add is that, look, if you if you enjoy learning new things, this show is for you. If mm. you enjoy getting lost in a story, this show is for you. If you want to see gritty, incredible cinematography based in New York, this show is for you. If you like any kind of twisty turny show this show is for you if you are a super lefty and hate corporations this show is for you if you don't mind corporations you don't see what the big fuss is this show is for you like so many different people with so many different interests could really actually i think benefit a lot from watching this yeah not just for the story but for the relevance in our time Mm. and how again so ahead of their time how much more relevant it is in a post-covid world than at the time that it aired in 2015 yeah and it is just it is a wonderful wonderful show and i've really i'm so glad i went back to it i'm so glad that i actually properly paid attention and watched season one and like i said i cannot wait to get into season two i would have done so ages ago but i wanted to make sure that i wrapped this up so that it didn't kind of get in my head as i was wrapping up the the second part of the season so i'm definitely getting started on season two i cannot wait i really want to do another one of these recaps for season two if you would be down nathan yes definitely 
amazing amazing i say we just we do one of these for each of the seasons and we cover the whole show i think it just yeah. it has to be done yeah it has it, to be done especially, but, especially with kind of like everything everything that's being built upon it just it builds and builds and builds and if you're listening to this and you enjoyed this, please share your thoughts. If you've seen Mr. Robot, if this has made you want to see Mr. Robot, if you hadn't watched it before, um, just just share, just share with us. So this appears on several audio-only platforms, but also on YouTube. So feel free to mention in the comments there. It's on the Sarcasm City channel um, on YouTube. So feel free to just give us your thoughts wherever you may find this this episode. So... Nathan, I know I asked you last time, but I will ask you again. Is there anything you would like to promote to listeners before we go? Um, just my design Instagram, which is Nayfunk on Instagram, N-A-Y-F-U-N-K. I uh, do kind of graphic design, um, video trailers kind of stuff. I'm bad at remembering to update it, but I'm going to try doing it like a lot more frequently. Like I've like. I'll, I'll make a plan to update it and then I'll just literally forget for about two months and just drop something on there randomly. So I'm going to get a bit more consistent with that. And I promise to, if you if you follow me from listening to this. Um, and I guess on Twitter, I'm just Nafers Jones, but most of that is just shit posting. So probably not worth following me, to be honest. <laughs> well, I enjoy following your shit posting. So I think they will too. So why not? Um, no, thank you so much for joining and recapping season one yeah. of Mr. Robot Man. I had a great time. So did I. Thank you for having me. Well, as far as me, you should know by now. Uh, tune into What's Politicking You Off. I've missed the most recent episode because I was away with my mother. But I will be back next Saturday at three o'clock. We go live every other Saturday on the Sarcasm City channel and talk about all things politics. We also just had the end of the month Talk About It Network special. So if you didn't see it, then please do head over to the Sarcasm City TV channel on YouTube to catch up on it. And we'll be doing it again at the end of this month of June. But um, yeah, follow at Pod of Mercy to, to you know keep in touch and all of that mm. kind of stuff on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Linda is Shapoopy. And that's it i shall see you again not in two weeks because this was a bonus so i will see you no you're gonna be sick of me guys i'll see you <laughs> next week where i will be joined with um i'll be joined by a guest co-host i won't reveal now who it is but i'm so excited to record with her and it's going to be a regular episode so we're going to have rapid fire we're going to have mahakama so tune in next wednesday and uh that's it bye <laughs>